attention, please. This is a piece of art. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. Dr. Doom wears Bunny to conceal his own magnetic Worst episode ever. Why? Who shot first? Who gives a shit? It's what's called super nerd nitpicking over something that's not really that important. Hello, and welcome back to Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and around here, what I do is talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. I've got a six-episode structure wherein I talk about any one of those subjects that I see fit. For the eighth episode, I talk about Smallville, but for the seventh episode... Ah, for the seventh episode, I do what I call the Big Book Report. But... I'm not alone when I do that. Nope. I always, always, always have a certain someone with me when I talk about big books from the DC Paradox Press line of big books. But uh, before I uh, reintroduce my usual co-host, I want to say that I'm not going to be talking about any big books this week, or at least I don't think I will. Being as it's Halloween and I feel like talking a little bit about Halloween, and plus I just feel like shooting the bowl a little bit, This isn't going to be an official big book report uh, show. This is going to be a little bit more of a shoot-the-shit show. So, fair warning about that up front. But joining me once again for the fun and games is my usual co-host, Mr. Chris Honeywell of the Two True Freaks Podcast. How you doing, sir? I'm I'm good, and I'm ready to shoot the shit. I I saw recently you did a shoot-the-shit show with uh, Scott Gardner. Uh, yes. Uh, has that been released yet? Or that, knowing the way you do stuff, it probably hasn't yet. It's probably like long in the line of roster of stuff coming out. Yeah. See, we're kind of recording this at an awkward moment. We're recording this before that show's actually come out, but by the time this comes out, which obviously is going to be, be October, out. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I actually haven't released it yet. It's actually a, a couple of weeks away. I want to say that's going to be October the 6th. I think so uh, basically I think in fact you know what I think that's going to be what comes out immediately before this episode now that I think I think about Ah. it oh excellent so I'm getting that'll be the closest Scott Gardner and I've been together on a podcast in a while (laughs) (laughs) our work schedules have been just and life schedules have just been punishing yeah I didn't want to bust your balls about that but that was something I was kind of curious about you know why it is that you know you guys don't seem to have recorded much of anything lately so it's just it's just hard it's hard to get together and and time it and there's also um episode 500 brewing there's all there's all sorts of there's all sorts of factors (laughs) factors factored in there's yeah you know maybe we're doing a little resting on our laurels and procrastinating so we could get 500 done so when we actually hit the number 500 episode <laughs> we'll have it ready to to put out <laughs> but um yeah we just both of us have been working a lot lately and uh and uh yeah it just hasn't it hasn't timed out the way the way it should i may have to i may have to just like 
hawk some of my Star Wars stuff, go down to Florida and, and you know, catch him as he's groggy in the morning heading to work and just, like, clunk him over the head and to bring him to us, you know, some hidden rented studio for a weekend and just, like, get 48 hours of pure <laughs> <laughs> podcast out of him to distill for a while. Well, why not? I'm, I'm sure his family won't miss him, right? Uh, why no, why they would they need him around? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, it smells fresher in here for some reason. And there's less swearing going on. Too. <laughs> Nobody swore at me. <laughs> oh, he's gonna love. It. He's gonna love this. We're talking about it behind his back. This is great. Um, well, yeah, but uh, talking about about a podcast isn't really uh, behind his back. It's just it's more sort of just taunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny because I I think this is the way that things worked out. Like the last time you and I recorded together, um, that episode. I think it was, it was the big book of. Oh fuck! What, what it was? Weirdos, the, maybe. It, I think it. Yeah, I think it was actually. Yeah, and one of the things that I talked about with you was uh, the subject of Alistair Crowley came up. Just to kind of tie it in with uh, at least a little bit of our subject matter today. The subject of Alistair Crowley came up, and you and I weren't talking specifically about him. It was more to, I think go into sort of other things, but we, the, the name came up oddly enough. Uh, Gardner was on this, uh, you know, was on the show and I want to say it was, ah, fuck. I, I just, I remember that he, I, that I recorded with him right around that time. And it may have actually been now that I'm thinking about it, it may actually have been his, um, it may have been his, uh, shoot the shit show that as you and I record, this has not yet come out, but will soon. And, the subject of Aleister Crowley. Oh, I remember what it was. I recorded with you guys like back to back. I recorded with you one day and then with him the next day. And I talked about Aleister Crowley in both episodes. And so you'd think that I'm like this big Crowley guy, but I'm actually not. But it's just <laughs> it organically came up in the conversation with both of you. So it's it's kind of funny, you know, uh, how sometimes things can overlap like that. But uh, anyway, today what I felt like talking about, aside from everything, specifically what I felt like talking about was... Halloween. And the reason for that is because to me, Halloween isn't really, it's not really a holiday at all. And it's not even really like a day in, on the calendar. To me, Halloween is more of a season. And it seems that I'm kind of, for once, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in lockstep with culture because it feels like this year people are treating Halloween as something that you build up to sort of in the same way that you have a Christmas season. Mm -hmm. Now it feels like we we're we're kind of having a Halloween season. I mean, have you, is, is that just in my mind or have you noticed? That? No, I think that's part partially in reaction to, I, I, I think the Halloween people, not in an organized fashion, but the, the, the those that love Halloween, myself being one of them, are sick of like right around this time of year, the Christmas decorations start coming up in some of the stores, you know, the occasional meme will start popping up where somebody can't wait for Christmas and we want to get our Halloween on, you know, uh, unencumbered with, you don't want to mix Christmas in with Halloween unless it's, you know, some horrifying slate, you know, slasher movie with, with Santa Claus in it or something like that. You know, oh, there it, will it, never be such a thing. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, there's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Um, but uh, yeah, but why why dilute the the Halloween season? There's plenty of time for Christmas to step all over Thanksgiving. You know, but between now and then, they can they can leave Halloween alone. And I think I think it's a preventative step to to keep the Halloween season ugly. (laughs) Like the the thing about it is, I don't really care why they're doing it. I just care that it's happening. And to me, that's all that matters. And but I must say, I mean, I I am a Christmas junkie. I loves me some Christmas, but. When you think about it, I mean, Halloween naturally does get short shrift. And so I am happy that, you know, it's turning into a little bit more of a more of a season. But I remember when I was a kid, you know, at least at least when I was a kid. And if you had different experiences, please do speak up. But Halloween, it lasted like maybe two or three days. Right. Yeah, it was here and then got, you know, there was a little bit ahead of it. It was like a weekend mm-hmm. and a couple days before the weekend at school. Because like when you're in elementary school, even through high school, you would, you know, kids would dress up on the Friday before Halloween. You know, it would be Halloween. Day. So there'd be a little bit of wind up for it. You know, people could test out their Halloween costumes and strut them around school. And the kid and like it was always a big deal in elementary school, we used to bob for apples and, mm-hmm. and, and do all that stuff. And, uh, you know, just like Valentine's day, you would, you would hand out cheesy cards and, and all that. We, we would hand out candy to each other and stuff like that. So there was a little wind up on it, but it was all sort of the wind up into a weekend then the weekend. And then it was done. Yeah. And then it was, then it was on to Thanksgiving which yeah. is a warm up for Christmas. Yeah, and and like what I've done especially in the past like 10 years or so is November the 1st is to me that's the first day of Christmas. And I I mean I I sort of I, I go from Halloween pretty much straight to Christmas and I don't really do a whole lot with Thanksgiving and the reason for that is because the Thanksgiving menu just basically sucks. Is not your <laughs> yeah. cup of tea. And you know me and my brother I want to say it's about 10 or 12 years ago, we lobbied for a change in the menu. And so it's a little bit more palatable now. But I got to tell you, you know, the the reality is I've just never I, I don't get Thanksgiving. You know, I Halloween, I get Christmas, I get, you know, and there are other holidays that that really don't add up to me or or fake holidays like Valentine's Day. It's completely fucking fake. And so, so th- Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, Christmas had the added bonus of presents in winter, but Thanksgiving and Christmas were always the two holidays where it was like family dinner, but like not just like the immediate, it was the, you know, we would go over to my grandparents and my mother and grandmother would, would make a big dinner. And so that, that was, it was, it was family tradition nights, both of those, you know. So that's what I always associated it with. And I, I like Thanksgiving food. Great the gravies and the meats and the and the stuffing. Oh the stuffing. Well the But I don't know, you know, I live in a really like you know, that's that's what I, I, I feel bad for people like in Texas and Florida and stuff like that where it doesn't get Halloween y, it doesn't get Thanksgiving or Christmassy in the in the traditional like visual sense like it does here you know when 
if if you're lucky here in Christmas, you know, you've got the you you you'll get the stereotyped, you know, snow covering everything and 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 the lights and people Christmas caroling and all that. Mm-hmm. And in the and in Thanksgiving and Halloween time, the leaves are changing and falling off the trees, and it looks dead and spooky, and all that. Yeah, it's just, Christmas is especially wasted on me because I'm not a big Christmas guy, and I know all these people who are really into Christmas who are sitting sweating in their shorts, you know. <laughs> well, it's good. I spent a Christmas down in Florida with Scott Gardner, which was actually awesome because I was at Disney World the whole time, and. Uh, and for me, it was awesome to be in the, you know, in the nice in shorts on, you know, Christmas Eve, walking around, you know, riding rides and stuff. But uh, not every year. It's even though I, even though I'm not a big Christmas guy, it's still nice when it when it when that that mood hits, you know, when when all of a sudden you have that atmosphere all over, especially when you have snow. Mm-hmm. But that's Christmas, and see, it's already. I'm and I'm doing it. I'm the one doing it. It's it's bleeding into my Halloween. <laughs> Today's actually like I'm right after we're done with this. I'm gonna be going out to my garage and digging out all the Halloween costumes I I got this summer garage sale and and going through them. Yeah, and that actually leads into one of the questions I had. Um... I make the most out of Halloween when I can, but to me, it's more about like enjoying, uh, you know, just enjoying it. There are people who are a little bit more, shall we say, exuberant about celebrating it. Um, what exactly is your, for lack of a better term, what is it, what exactly does your annual observance of Halloween consist of? Varies. Um, I don't often, this year is going to be weird. I'm probably not going to do anything i don't have anything planned um this will be probably well it definitely will be the first year that that my band hasn't been playing this one party maybe they're not having it this year i haven't heard anything about it Mm -hmm. and my band's been basically in in extended hiatus defunctedness but when this party comes it's fun so we'll usually get together and practice and stuff and this will be the first year in like five or six years so usually like for the last five, six years, and even before that, because it would be other places, I'd usually be getting a costume together because I'd be playing somewhere, you know? So I'd have to have some some sort of... Out, everybody in the band would have to really come up with something. And this year, I haven't even put any any thought into it at all. So I'm not sure. But I mean, the most I think the most Halloween activity I'm going to get is getting Halloweeny on the on the podcasts mm. um you know the the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror gets always you know gets frisky around Halloween and we'll be doing something special this year um that's all I'll say about that and then uh, I I probably shouldn't bring this up because this is just like catnip for you but I can't really give the details but I found something online that's pretty creepy and I'm trying to figure out how to approach presenting it in some sort of Halloween context. So that 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 might be uh, turning up hmm. a little bit of internet weirdness. Oh boy! Well, that, uh, now that, <laughs> now I want to imagine your brain that about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the thing about Halloween is it needs to be something more than 
people posting a bunch of stupid bullshit about pumpkin spice lattes on on Facebook. I mean, there needs to be something real about it. And the thing is, I mean, I wish I had like some kind of badass story about Halloween from when I was a kid. And you know how fucking amazing it always was and every year was better than the last and whatnot. But I just don't have tons of stories like that. I mean, the very closest that I've got is this actually comes from when I was in the first grade and my mom, I always had super, cause I was a huge Superman fan when I was a kid. So I always had like Superman costumes laying around and they were very homemade and everything. I had like an old Superman t-shirt. And so I was using that as my Superman shirt and everything. And I had a cape and, and everything, but it was, it, it was very underoos. You know what I mean? Right, right. And what my mom decided to do was, when I was in first grade, she basically said, okay, fuck it. I'm going to make an actual Superman costume. And it makes it sound somehow cooler than I think it really was, but she put in the effort, damn it. And so she got... I don't know if this was like a ballet outfit or what, but you know that that kind of it's like a tunic you know you kind of step into it kind of like a bikini and then it zips up in the back sure well she got one of those i'm wearing one now oh okay well all right uh, we'll come back to that so um so there was that and then you know you put on the pants and so now your shirt's not going to come untucked because it's it's wrapped around your crotch and so you know that's gonna fit okay and so now you've got the pants, and then you put on, you know, the trunks and everything. And this actually looked like a pretty decent little Superman outfit, right? And then, you know, got the, you know, the, the symbol on the chest and all that. And look, nothing at all like Superman because I'm a ginger, but... Well, I was going to say, Jimmy Olsen would be, like, the perfect costume for you, it would seem. Yeah, the thing, the problem I always had, especially when I was, a, when I, when I was younger, less so now, but when I was younger, my problem was fucking i hated jimmy olsen <laughs> yeah and, and like that's always what you know like cause it, that's trust me this is not the first time anyone's ever said that to me you know? yeah little, little, well and little kids don't have any sense of irony with their costume or something you know you're dressing up as something you want to be it's not just you know well and there's there's a little bit of a dark side too to all of that in that in comics you can draw a ginger wearing that type of a that type of like a uh, you know coat and a bow tie and you know the pants right. and everything you can draw that in a in a comic book and I don't know why but for some reason it plays if you put a ginger in a green suit in real life he doesn't look like Jimmy Olsen he looks like a fucking leprechaun leprechaun exactly <laughs> and so now it's like a double whammy right and so no no I'm not doing that so I ended up you know I had to get dragged out of the car, actually, because, you know, whenever you're a kid, they'll let you wear, or at least they used to let you wear, Halloween costumes and stuff to school and everything. Right. And I would not get out of the car. It didn't matter that other kids were running around in their costumes and stuff. I didn't want to be seen wearing this in, pu in public. And what I came to understand is I love Superman. I love comics. I love comic movies. I love seeing that stuff. But I don't like wearing tights in public. <laughs> and that's the real problem. So Not, not going to be a big cosplayer then. Or if I am, I, I'd have to be like very careful about it. Because like, for Comic Palooza, and it ended up not happening, and there are various reasons for that, but for Comic Palooza, what I was thinking about doing was going as Daredevil. 
And what I was going to do was have, I was just going to wear like, you know, a, a black coat and, you know, the, the slacks and everything, then a white button up shirt. And then the button up shirt is kind of open a little bit. And then you can see a daredevil shirt kind of poking mm-hmm. through underneath. And then I was going to have a cane and a, uh, and then wear uh, sunglasses. And then, hey, there's Matt Murdock right there. But I was going to be cosplaying as Matt Murdock, not daredevil. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, I, mean, I could probably get away with that. But it's just I've never wanted to wear that type of stuff. I don't know why, but it's just really hard for me to feel comfortable doing that. It's always been that way. And so, anyway, so I'm hoping you may that that you may have a uh, a uh, Halloween story that's a little bit more entertaining than that one. Oh, I've got a few. <laughs> I mean, Halloween was in in Carthage and Black River. Black River. I was in Carthage as a little kid in my in my hometown. You know, when I would go around with my parents, and then when it was you know high school time, that's when we, that's when you would graduate to Black River because they only had one cop. And Don Doney, and uh, that's you know, and that's where Scott Gardner and Uncle Randy came into play, you know, because they were situated. Scott was sort of outside town, so we could go to his house, get all prepared, and then dispense with his parents by saying, "Oh, we're gonna walk up to Uncle Randy's house, who is right on the edge of the village." Now, and that they could just write off the responsibility to his parents. (laughs) I see. All right, and so. Um, basically then like what would this be a fair assessment what you guys would do is you'd all meet up at uh, Uncle Randy's uh, house and then you'd sit down you you would pass the Bible one to the other you'd take turn copying verses and then discussing mm-hmm. the way that that verse made you feel and that's mm-hmm. the way that you guys celebrated Halloween this whole like we're going out and causing trouble never ever way. did that exactly yeah, it was uh, no. Actually, what what at the beginning, it, what what would happen is around November before Halloween, <laughs> the November right after Halloween, um, my fr- my neighbor down the street and friend Carl Carpinetti, who had his he lived on a farm with his family. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other story. They, his father was like a witness protection program New York City cop good lord yeah uh, who ended up being an upstate New York farmer after some run in with the mafia but um we would go to we would go to his house and just take dozens and dozens and dozens of eggs and we would go into the the barn down the road from his house and there's this one place where we could take the floorboards out and we'd take the floorboards out and just stash the eggs under there hmm. in, a, in like a metal military box so the rats couldn't get at them. And then those would be next year's Halloween eggs. Holy shit, you mean they were like a year old? They were, they went, by the time, <laughs> by the time they were put into use, they had started to get, a, they were a little rubbery, you know? They still would break, but they had a little rubberiness to them. And the inside of them was so horrifically black and smelly and green and slimy. And we would head into Black River. I remember being in Black River and it was like, you know, war-torn Palestine or something. I'm sure it wasn't like, but you know, it was that sort of right, just bands of kids running through the street and we would be, you know, running down one street and all of a sudden you would start getting eggs hailed on you from the top 
there was the top of a like it wasn't the library building, but they were up on top of a building that they climbed a fire ex- escape and were tossing eggs at us. So we would pull out the the super evil eggs and chuck those up onto the roof and clear the <laughs> place clear it right out. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking and, of Palestine, yeah, there's your, there's your germ warfare, Hoss. <laughs> exactly. It, it was and 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 there was one cop that just could sort of patrol around and and he would. I'm sure Scott Gardner and I told the story of when there's a bridge that just sort of split the middle where the Black River went through the middle of of. Um, Black River, mm-hmm. and um, and the same with Carthage too was split by the Black River. But um, on that bridge, we were on one side of the bridge, and you know it, it was it was uh, some sort of war. Don Doney pulls up, and then all the kids go from from battling each other to turning on him, and and yelling and jeering. And of course, they all know his name, so there's people making fun of his name. And then you know one egg would hit the windshield, and then that was it, and everybody would start throwing eggs. And I remember him just sitting calmly in his car as the eggs just coated his windshield. Oh, man. And people are yelling, hey, come on, red a cop. And then the next thing to see, <laughs> his, his windshield wipers would just start go on, you know, on the super slow setting where it just would burp. It just smears it everywhere. Burp, and yep, smearing eggs up and down. His, and they're like, come on, get out of the car. <laughs> Why won't you get out of the car? <laughs> and he nice. was, if he was the only cop there I, I'm assuming he probably couldn't call for backup I'm surprised he didn't shoot some of you guys he could potentially call the state troopers but that's today that's today you know potentially shoot us and in those days it was he also you know he would be like you know blah 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 I recognize you and you and you and but just nobody had any fear of him at all um, because there really weren't going to be you know the worst consequences are he might go tell your folks and the good thing about scott gardner is scott gardner's dad had had a run-in with don doney where don doney had maybe it was his grandfather probably both of them had had a run-in where they'd gotten in a not really a physical confrontation but a sort of intimidating like look <laughs> don't you ever do that again so he was scared of them so we never had to worry about him going to report us to you know to his dad or his grandfather because they just wouldn't care <laughs> you know, they knew what we were doing in, in Black River because I'm sure his dad used to do the same if not worse than, than us it was a tradition and it was like a it was like a game with with Don Doney too, I don't think he would really even wanted to shoot anybody. You know, I, I don't think he was even that pissed. It was just sort of something he had to put up with every Halloween. You know, a certain amount of uh, hooliganism. But I mean, it, it was different times. It was also, you know, not you didn't have to worry really about like the crowd running around and starting burning stuff down or something like that or beating people up. I'm sure there were fights amongst the high school kids, but it usually even even when people were getting like kind of rough out uh, in in Black River, you know, the worst the worst thing I saw, well actually it was it, w- it would have really been bad if there'd been another quarter inch, but Scott Gardner cracked his Indiana Jones whip. I'm trying to remember the name of the kid. He was a football player. 
about two inches from his nose. Jeez. If that just snap right in front of the guy's nose. Well, the guy was coming at us with eggs, and it stopped him dead. But then he grabbed the whip and started reeling in Scott. But that didn't turn. But even then, he was just like, don't do that again. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was they, a beat down. Yeah, you could take somebody's head off with that or for sure you could take off their nose yeah and and this isn't this isn't like the whip you win at the carnival you know for knocking over bottles or you know that you buy it was not a novelty whip his dad found him a real you know eight foot i can't remember six foot or eight foot but it was it was a real deal you sort of had to flop it out in front of you and you know give it that little snake curl to get it up in the air and then crack with it and scott practiced with it and he was i mean he was really good he meant to snap it right in front of that guy's nose and and he did but the the reaction wasn't as quite as fearful as he thought it was gonna be but uh um, it's a good thing he didn't he didn't actually hit the guy with it golly i i watched this i this one girl trisha dunn who has lived in Black River and was just this really just skinny little slip of a girl, but she was kind of tough. But she came over the bridge once and just coated with eggs and begged us for some of our evil eggs, and she walked right up to some guy and just squashed two of them right in his hair. Oh! His hat, squash, squash, put his hat back down, and we were just like, oh, no, no! That's that was going too far. You could, you know, that was just eye-watering, horrifyingness. And he ran. He, I'm sure he ran away, went home, and was just like scrubbing his head. Those things were terrible, terrible, terrible. People always had to end up throwing away like side bags and stuff because, you know, they would have some of those eggs in them, and they would squash up against a building and it would crack inside there and you know st- the, the smell was just horrific it was the it was that smell you would think of when you see in a cartoon or a comic of that just the green haze in the air Those, yeah. that's evil awesome. that's like a weapon of mass destruction in Iran isn't it mm-hmm. golly chemical warfare <laughs> and, and the thing about it is, is it's one of those things truly, like, I can't, you can't go back to it, you know. It's, I'm 47 years old. If I started, if I, if I went out on Halloween to, to do pranky stuff, you know, I'd end up in the back of a police car, handcuffed, and would, what the hell were you thinking? And they'd be right. Yeah. Well, that makes you wonder, though. I mean, like, what? That's what is that? That's like inciting a riot, criminal mischief. I think um, it's. I mean, generally, it's sort of sad to me because it would be fun. But if it was generally encouraged for adults to go out and cause mischief on Halloween, I think it would go bad. Even worse with teenagers than teenagers being out on Halloween. I think it, it might take a couple years. It's. It's better for the adults to do things like, oh, zombie pub crawl and sexy Donald Trump outfit. <laughs> well, I just, I think of how things like that would happen in Texas, and here's the thing, it wouldn't. I mean, there are so fucking many people around here who are armed with heavy artillery that it it's just a non-starter. I mean, something like that 
I mean, I remember, you know, kids would get a little bit... Now, keep in mind, I mean, I grew up a slightly different time, relatively, but I don't know. I mean, that's... It, I just... You live in a different... You almost basically live in a different country. It's it's weird because, you know, there's that, that association with Texas of, like, guns and and all that stuff but the more i hear about like laws in texas and stuff there's all just sort of weird stuff all over the place in texas like what all i'm, I'm trying to remember what the one of them i heard recently but it was it was kind of an anti it was kind of a limitation on guns law in one part of texas that was that i just couldn't believe but maybe it was it was something it was a limitation on something that I would never have expected in Texas to fly. Well, but it was it was it was strange. It was it was just not of the. I wish I had my details. <laughs> well, I, like keep in mind. I mean, when people talk about Texas and guns, they're talking about gun ownership or they're talking about gun stores. Our laws are not as lax about guns as. People. Like there is, there's a like a. There's more people there who like guns, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a free for all, which is what you would assume, you know, as far as buying, buying and acquiring guns. Yeah, and the what I've what I've discovered. This was a. I want to say it was uh, like over the summer or it was in the spring. It was something I forget, but basically it was right after the midterm elections in. Um, 2014 obviously before now a bill came up before and I don't want to get too boring here but it does bear on what you said a bill came up in the Texas legislature regarding open carry and there were people who were snarking all over Facebook you know and they were serious saying I thought Texas already had this and we don't we had concealed carry but even that requires a license. You don't get to just do that. Right. It's the same here, too. And it's, York. it's just very strange that a lot of people, and even now, I mean, it's, it's when they say open carry, yeah, you can wear it openly, or you will be able to, but you still got to get the license. So what's it worth? And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that sometimes you don't know as much about a place as, or maybe it's other people don't know as much about where you well, live as they think they do yeah there's all there's all there's so many there's only so much memory people have and there's so many places that you can only you know you can only make a lot of times the most you know crass and broad strokes on what it's what it's like you know california surfing and hippies and protests you know and yeah, in the in the Silicon Valley and stuff like that. But then there's there's redneck parts of California. You know, you think oh. of Oregon, and you know, you think loggers and and pretentious hipsters. But then there's lots of white supremacists hanging out in in Oregon. So it's it's wow, it's really? weird. And New, and New, like people think of New York State as being the center of you know just blueness. And but that's basically because of New York City. You get out in the country of 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 New York State, up in the upstate, and it's as red probably as any parts of the South, you know. Yeah, like some of those people are. Yeah, they're to the right of God. Some of them, yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's people. I mean, redneck redneck is everywhere. Redneck is everywhere. It's not a. It's maybe something that was per- perfected and and started in the south but it it's it's everywhere i i mean i could go five miles and be be living redneck if i wanted to right and you know it's just it's one of those things when you see shit like that on facebook you know i mean at least at the time you and i record this there's not a dislike button that we can click on on, ah, on yes. facebook but wouldn't that be nice well maybe <laughs> it Nice is nice is such a. I think it would be nice for guys like you and me because I don't get a lot of butt hurt from Facebook or the internet. I just I can't let it. I can't let it kill me <laughs> like it kills a lot of other people. So a dislike button. I've always kind of never really cared whether people liked or dis disliked me. I mean, sometimes there's certain people that you want you would like to like you because you respect them or whatever but i've never been so if i put up something on facebook and it gets a million dislikes well whatever you know i guess they dislike it but oh my god now it's sort of a half rumor i guess i did a little research into it that there would actually be a dislike button because they don't want it to become like reddit or something where you're upvoting and downvoting stuff mm-hmm so they're coming up with some version of it or some variation of it, but it's only gonna. It, it'll end up. It'll help Facebook in the short term because it'll have people posting and clicking and following stuff more. But the oh, the controversy. It's you know, it's gonna create roaming mobs of. You're gonna end up with Facebook groups that are like, "Come on, guys, let's go downvote this on mass and. And oh, we got these guys are downvoting it. We got to go upvote this guy's post, and it, it'll just it'll be chaos. Right, um, and that uh, was actually one of the questions I had. I mean, is this gonna you know? Is, does it when you say that? I'll bet you it's something you turn on for yourself, or you know, I'll bet you you can turn on your dislike, which means you can dislike, and other people can dislike you, and people who have it off, you probably can't dislike what they have. And that'll that'll cause controversy because then there'll be people like, oh, you don't have a dislike button. What's the matter? You don't want any dissent on your Facebook, which, you know, I mean, the answer could very reasonably be yes. There's nothing wrong with the answer being yes to that. But it, yeah, it'll it, it'll it's just like tur- it'll be like turning your comments off on, on YouTube. People will be like, oh, this person is not open to whatever. And well, the uh, the. I guess the question, or the, I guess lack of clarity there was always, at least for me, you know, you can, we've all seen that, uh, that Facebook update that, that people make sometimes where my dog died, my parents just got a divorce, my sister ran away from home, my car got stolen, and I flunked out of school. Well, that's not a status for which you want to click like, now is it? You can right. identify with what this person is saying, but you don't want to make it... I, I've seen people say, yeah, I, I clicked like because, you know, this is solidarity. Yeah, th- then you have to go and make a comment to, to clarify. Yeah, I like this, but I just liked it as a as a show of support for you. And just that, yeah, when grandma dies, you're going to have that whole thing where somebody's going to sit there thinking, do I like it or do I dislike it? Or should I... Or uh, Probably you should do neither because they're both not really up to <laughs> expressing, you know, 
condolences button. That's what they should have, you know, with a little tombstone on it, you know, <laughs> a smiley face or something. Well, you know, this may uh, piss off the millennials, but you know what, guys? There are some ideas that cannot be expressed visually. Right. I know that kills you. You may actually have to <laughs> shudder, type something, but you'll survive. A coherent sentence or two that 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 spells out something interesting and and relevant and shades in some nuance, so you know exactly how you feel. Yeah, yeah that, and, and that so there's cool. that. But the other thing was, is this going to be uh, like on Yahoo News articles or Reddit or what have you, where? If something gets enough downvotes or dislikes, it goes away. Yeah, is that going to be what? How this thing works? It, it I kind think of... they want to avoid that. I think it seemed like that's what they were saying is they wanted to avoid that because then all they they didn't want it to become like a forum where it's all of a sudden like oh most people don't like this, but maybe they'll make it so that if they see that you're disliking Joe Blow's. Um, posts more than anybody else. You'll see Joe Blow's posts less. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. How can this? They look. They they have a funny way of making metrics out of everything. You mean to tell me this isn't going to become another fucking metric? I mean, come on. Well, maybe dislike will be something you own, only you see. So when you go and dislike stuff, you know it's just stuff that you're privately saying to Facebook. Ah, I don't like this, and then Facebook will have an algorithm to say like, okay, we'll try to keep this off your feed. Well, you know what else Which, we need? That could be useful. That could be very useful to people who don't. They already have that, though. I mean, you you already yeah. have a thing where you can say, I don't want to see this post. Yeah. And then there's a thing you can click on that says, I want to see less bullshit like this. I mean, yes. like there was this, um, I, the little caption for it was break the internet. But basically, Kim Kardashian uploaded pictures of her ass to Facebook. I, I'm not kidding. It, these were pictures yeah. of her bare ass. And she uploaded that. No, wait. This was no. She didn't take the. No, this was like a. This was like a pro photographer, like modeling. It was thing. a magazine shoot. That's, it was yeah, a magazine that's what it was. cover shoot. And people were sharing the fuck out of that all over Facebook. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm a guy. I like seeing a woman's bare ass as much as the next guy. But there's something about it about knowing that it's her bare ass. I don't know why, but that it cheapened it somehow. It, it, it takes all sexuality out of it for me. Yeah, <laughs> to tell you the truth, like there's too much baggage, too too much junk in Kim Kardashian's metaphorical trunk to 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 where I can separate her butt into just a healthy, beautiful butt and not a healthy, beautiful butt attached to the rest of her. Kim, yeah, Kim, somebody who stands for like stuff that just like makes my stomach turn well boo so fucking who dude hey i got one for you how about you try sharing the exact same fucking birthday with her like i do same <laughs> same month same day same year she was born the same fucking so day i was logically you have the same temperament well i look i 12 different temperaments that we're allowed to have i guess yeah well there's an entire world of shit but the other thing is you know there are so many ways that a dislike button could be misinterpreted, you know? And so mm -hmm. I don't really post all that much religious-related stuff on um, on Facebook. I just, I don't. But, like, take today, right? Um, I went to a Daily Mass, and I actually thought, and I think I just forgot to do it, but I actually thought about putting something up on Facebook, you know, saying, yeah, I just got out of Daily Mass, and 
you know, I really feel pretty good right now. You know, this was definitely the right thing to do to, you know, fuck them or whatever, whatever I was going to say, right? Well, you know, yeah, you see, that sort of thing, I would feel comfortable and a little bit deviously comfortable with putting that up because it's it's innocuous and it's positive. And if somebody wants to come on and go like, religion is bullshit, then that almost gives you free reign <laughs> to just pounce on them because they're just, you know, it's just dickish yeah. to, to, to want to like, I'm going to fight on this post. Well, yeah, but the thing is, I could, there's, and I'm not saying that any, that I'm Facebook friends with such people, but there's a type of person out there who would click dislike on that. Right, right. Just well, to be an asshole. And that, well, here's the thing about being on, I mean, my Facebook life is so much different because of Two True Freaks than it w would ever have been if I'd just been on my own on Facebook and before Two True Freaks because I have just the spectrum across my, you know, most, most of the people associated with me on Facebook are people who like listen to the show and stuff like that. A lot of them are people that I've actually made friends with. A lot of them are listeners who I've never met or maybe even never really even talked back and forth to, but I see their posts mm -hmm. and I know which ones are, you know, politically left-leaning and which ones are politically right-leaning and I get to watch them fight because now they they have me in common. So when I talk to either of them, they see <laughs> the other one. And uh, it's, very interest it's very interesting when you have that thing and you're trying to maintain a peace because oh no basically I, I, i'm there I because of the podcast the i don't I, I i do like i like to fight about politics or argue about politics and religion and stuff like that but i only i i only like to do it like in two different ways and one way if i'm like is the trolling way where you're dealing with somebody who's just so pathetically stupid misinformed or and and you just sort of go on and that's a lot rarer than you would think it is that i will actually go into that direction it has to be someone who's really egregious and then it's almost just like putting on a show for everybody else but i like to rather have a real conversation on it to where if you're not you're not really trying to like change anybody's mind as much as just sort of see where everybody you know get different perspectives and bounce them off each other and that never really it gets me going but it doesn't get me going to where i'm gonna lose sleep over it. it gets me going in a positive way and that's that's a rare occurrence too but there's a there's a lot of people like i enjoy like i enjoy on uh, facebook having the the rare times when i don't talk star wars with say scott rifen who's you know politically he's pretty right right wing but whenever we have a disagreement on something to where you know we're talking back and forth it's always very respectful and you know it's it's friendly mm -hmm. and i love that i love being able to do that and i don't know if it's because it's just in stark contrast to the way most other people want to do it and i wonder if other people are really getting as worked up as it seems that they are or if it's just something that they do for the drama and the fun of it so they don't really wanna that's why i think people get mad if you start like trying to get too in depth with those conversations because they're like hey i just want to 
get together and butt heads with a, with a few of my friends around the water cooler, call each other names, go about our business, you know, and be done with it, you know. Well, one thing that I do, and I've, it, it's never escaped me that you have never fallen for this. But one thing that I do sometimes is I'll take yeah, a... Yeah, I know your tricks. <laughs> um, well, even before like I became sort of known for doing this, uh, you never fell for it. I mean, it's uh, I, I would almost say that you somehow knew where this was going to go. Because I, I I'm a I'm a troll. I've done that. I've done that myself. You can you're just it's it's a nice little honey trap. <laughs> well, what I'll do is find something that's going on in the news. So and so politician. Uh, just pick your pick whatever party, right? Just w- uh, any party you want. So and so is is going to do this. This is a fucking outrage, and you know, blah blah blah. And and that's what everyone is is getting upset about. So instead of referencing that exactly, I'll say, I can't believe that a politician right now is doing this. I mean, this is fucking bullshit. Who agrees with me? And then all the people who are whining and complaining, I say, oh, I, you know, I didn't expect you guys to support me. What I was talking about was this time ten years ago when your guys were doing the same exact mm-hmm. fucking thing. And I, I won't name names as to who has fallen for that, because I want those people to continue talking to me. But um, I got to tell you, you know, it's kind of... The fun. last one you did, I was so tempted to chime in because I actually had I actually had a nuanced, and, and I did a little research on it and was going to go like, ah, this is why this is not a valid comparison. But then I was like, that ruins the whole fun of it. <laughs> I, was just, I didn't want to be the guy who came in and approached that that whole thing seriously and took all the fun out of the joke. Well, I, I, I started doing this actually a couple of years ago before I even started a podcast, because what I would do is I, I basically, I didn't really plan to ever get on Facebook. It just kind of happened because basically a friend of mine, she was married to somebody and turned out that this guy died. And she and I had long lost touch with each other. And this was literally, starting a Facebook was literally the only way I could think of to get in touch with her and say, hey, man, you know, I heard about what happened. It really sucks. And, you know, that's just the stuff you're supposed to say. Honestly, the guy was yeah. a fucking asshole. I really don't miss him. You know, um, I'm, I'm sorry he's dead. You know, I'm he left a wife and a child behind. But honestly, the guy's a fucking dick. And so, you know, there's... There's a limit to how much I personally regret this, you know, like on like, yeah, but like on a selfish it, level, you know, right? But it, 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 I mean, he's dead, but she's alive. So the and you know, then there's the empathy for a friend, you know, for what she has to deal with. Yeah. So and so it's more for I mean, it's more well wishes for her than it is for for him. Yeah, exactly that. But like I said, I never wanted to tell her that because that's just that's a hell of a thing to say to somebody about about, you know, their departed loved one. Yeah. So here I was, I was stuck with a Facebook that I never like I never really intended to have, never really wanted, but now I've kind of got. And so I decided, okay, well, I like I don't like conspiracy theories, but I'm interested in conspiracy theories, put it that way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to collect a bunch of fucking weirdos and have those people on my Facebook, and they're going to be my friends. And what I'm going to do is just now and then, not too often, but now and then, just throw them a little bit of red meat and then have these two, these these sides that are on completely different... Like the Kennedy assassination is perfect, yeah. because if you buy into the idea that there's a conspiracy 
to, to kill President Kennedy, you can you can approach that from a very militant, very right wing point of view, or you can come at it from a left wing point of view, mm-hmm. and you can put those two sides in conflict with each other. They both agree that there was a conspiracy. You can but, come at it from a wacky space alien point of view if you want to. Oh yeah, and that was that was uh, it was it was just so much fun to do that. Now and, and I would have these these people. They're all equally insane. Don't get me wrong. But they're coming at it from very different ideologies in terms of their insanity, and it, I, it, I was just getting popcorn and eating the, uh, just eating it and watching it as all this stuff comes in, learning and, a lot about human psychology. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was what I originally used my Facebook for, and that was when I realized, you know what? It is so easy to use this evil, evil invention to provoke and incite and uh, stir up drama. I mean, there is an entertainment. At, it's made it. for it. It's built specifically for it, pretty much. Yeah. You know, it's designed to just, the whole format of it is just made to throw everybody into a public forum that maybe everybody shouldn't be in. <laughs> exactly that. And there are, it's harder to do it with things like 9-11 or, or what have you, because generally there's an ideology that's associated with 9-11 conspiracy theories. I don't care to get into that other than to say that they do exist. But with the Kennedy assassination, it's the rare conspiracy theory that you can have the like uber left wing, borderline communist viewpoint and and absolutely subscribe to the fact that there's some kind of weird fucked up paramilitary right right wing conspiracy to kill President Kennedy and verse vice where you're coming at it as a as to the right of Rush now you're viewing it as a as this left wing conspiracy, this sort of weird fucked up coup d'état that you know. And these people would just tear each other apart. And obviously, I can't yeah. do that anymore because I, had to, I ended up having to get rid of all or most of the interesting uh, people on my on my uh, Facebook because of other things that were going on. I don't really care to get into in my personal life. I just had to get rid of those people. But you know, Facebook is it's pernicious. It's evil. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about the possibilities this has as a communications format and what this yep. says about the human condition or what it could say, this this whole thing about innovation and technology, progress, and going boldly where no man has gone before, Star Trek type shit, you know, we're, we're kind of progressing now to the next level. And instead, what we have is this, this horrible thing designed to put people in conflict. They're sharing pictures of cats. You know, it's right. Like, <laughs> this is like really. This where, is what where, where the content is either so, yeah, treacly and innocuous, kitty cats and and comfort stuff. It's 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 simultaneously like comfort food and masochism mixed together. You know, it's like okay, so you know, you have a news story of the day because i i bring up one of today but by the time this comes out there'll be some something else that people are fighting about so whatever everybody's fighting about now mm-hmm. you know you, immigration you, is probably i think what Im- most- immigration kim davis whatever it is you know war on christmas war on halloween war on whoever's being everybody's got a war on them um but it's it, you know the hot button issue that everybody's posting opposing memes for on on Facebook 
you got that going on, and then you've got people willingly entering into arguments that are based on sort of this like weird superficial view of the the um whatever you're discussing, whether it be which is usually taken originally from whatever news source you have, you know, mainstream news source. And then further distilled down into, I'm sorry, somebody's blowing a leaf blower outside my house. It's right. further distilled down into two sentences on a meme that, like, I, I, I saw this great thing where somebody, and I can't remember if it was a left winger or a right winger that started it, but it was a meme that someone put up. And then somebody, you know, basically just copied the theme of the meme and put it as their, their Facebook thread. And then somebody came in and said, well, here's, let me, let me, dissect every part of these arguments and then they dissected them in one sentence things and the other goes there pick now pick up your pieces of your argument and go home and it's and i'm reading it going these are both both of these memes are equally right and wrong in their superficialness of the the you know the, the the conflict that they're dissecting and trying to go into it's just sort of if it becomes boring if you start taking nuancing either side and saying, well, there's this, and then there's this context of this. And people will ed willingly enter into that fight of somebody who just posted their superficial, like, I'm on this side, you're wrong. And then you enter into that fight, and it's almost as if you're, who are you arguing with? You're not arguing with the person, you know, the president or a lawmaker or... In, in, in America, you're probably not even arguing with someone who's going to go out and vote on the issue and on any level of of anything. So, what is there to gain? You know, what is there? What? What? If even if you change their mind, what are you? What are you accomplishing? What is the goal? You know, of all this conflict on inter on the internet, and I think people then take that to be their responsibility of the discourse of <laughs> of the country you know of, of how the country is run and socially and politically and it, it's nothing it just all it is is noisy conflict on a computer screen amongst people who are just sort of living their daily lives and mostly powerless or reacting to the people who are powerful who are tweeting stuff that they don't like yeah and you know it's kind of funny um i won't say what the subject is yet but I, and I basically I was cruising Facebook uh, shit I want to say it was probably like a year ago or something and it hit me that all these people who are having these, these dick measuring contests about politics on Facebook it occurred to me you know what there's something else that they need to be talking about because honestly this whole political thing really isn't working out for them so well no. and this is the subject that they need to be talking about and for this subject, you know, people were they were in there, and they were saying very similar types of things to one another. Oh, well, you're obviously a fucking idiot because of blah, 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 blah. And you don't understand uh, you know, this issue right here because because of the fact that you're a fucking idiot, and then, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was a fucking sports thread. And I thought, okay, my God, this is what those people need to be talking. They need to be talking about sports teams. That's, you know? that's how, yeah, that's how it works. That's part of it, and it's part of the fun of it. And it also... At the end of the day, lots of money changes hands in sports, but at the end of the day, it's not something that affects your day-to-day -day life. It's a good thing to, f to fight and get wound up over, and 
It's very much like politics. One day your team's on top, then the next day, next year your team's struggling, but you're going to stick with them until next year. And that, that, it's more productive to throw your energy <laughs> into that than it is in politics. Not that it, you know, I mean, if you want to throw your energy into politics and get involved, then run for office, campaign for somebody, or, or, or if you have social issues or stuff, they get out there and, and join something and do something. And then you can, then you could plausibly say, I mean, to yourself, if you, if that's what you're trying to fulfill in, in your psyche, mm -hmm. that you're doing something, but, but reblogging, so re reposting something on Facebook or liking something or signing, even signing petitions oh, and stuff like that is just, it's, I can't say it has no effect because there is the bringing awareness, but bringing awareness doesn't necessarily do anything either. It's it's that double-edged sword where a lot of times, you know, it'll it'll help a lot. There there are things that have been brought to light through social media, but at the same time, is it you know, are you gonna what what is the proportion of garbage to good stuff that comes out of it uh, often you're not even going to know what's good or bad till later on down the line we're just in that tricky awkward phase where societally we have not caught up with our technology and something like the internet is really going to take generations to get used to and you know we're, we're at that point in civilization where we're in thrall of our phones and, and, and the technology, but there ha we haven't gotten to the point of where the masses that use it are starting to think of like, how can I use this to, to, to actually make my life better? It's just become a, a sort of noise machine. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident that, that, you know, that will change over time. I'm sure there'll always be noise and conflict because that's what happens when you throw people together but we're, we're just in this wild wild west time where no nobody's figured out how to use it and there's people who have figured out how to use it in some ways for either good or nefarious ways but they're all operating sort of as um vigilantes out there you know whether even if it's the government the i mean the government does a lot of stuff on online that's that's shady and you got anonymous and stuff like that but you know tw 20 30 years from now you know hopefully i'm hoping that our brains get a little more um complicated or more m once we become used to it and it becomes more of an extension instead of a novelty and uh, a toy mm -hmm. where it becomes more just probably built into us <laughs> right well and I, i'd like to think that something like that is possible but until then facebook's lasting legacy at least for me has been destroying my belief in the idea or maybe the ideal perhaps of universal suffrage that's really been the main casualty of my time on facebook and you can reach a point, at least with me, I don't know about anyone else, but you can reach a point with me where 
you can say something where I will lose all possible intellectual respect for you, you know? And I reached that point with somebody where an ex-girlfriend, as it happens, and she posted uh, this uh, political meme, and I'm not saying that the contents of, uh, of, of the meme, the meme itself was somehow factually inaccurate. Right. Based on what little I ever cared to research about that particular political issue. I won't say what it is, but what little I've ever done to check into it, it, it looked legit to me, you know? And so that part wasn't the problem. The problem was, I don't think this chick can really explain to me why it is that she's a member of the party of which she's a member. So I decided, well, fuck it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when in doubt, ask. And she gave me the stupidest bullshit answers for why she's a member of that party, why she votes for that party. And I'm sorry, but this is somebody who does not deserve the right to vote. Or I, I say the right to vote. This is somebody who doesn't deserve the privilege to vote. You know, <clears throat> she doesn't need to have the voting franchise. I'm not saying no women deserve to have it. I'm saying this particular one does not deserve to have it. And I realize it's kind of a slippery slope from there to say, well, if she doesn't, who else doesn't? You know, and you know what? That's a right. my pay grade. Which means if you start asking that question, if you want to really know that, like, who's voting that's really well-informed, you know, you're going to... I don't... It's... I don't know how cynical I want to be about it, but I would think, you know... To, to, my first thought would be 90 percent yeah but i'm trying to back it down in my mind around 60 70 percent of people probably don't really put too much research into it i mean i'm betting like i remember back in elections go and they just go down whatever they're i mean i know i know someone whose mom is she is she is a liberal you know when you talk to her and you know she's she's in her 80s now and when she's talking about things, she's talking about racial issues and stuff and very artistic person and just very, very, very liberal. Family's always voted Republican. She's voted Republican all her life, goes in the voting booth, the bum, 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 bum. right down, right down the line because that's the, 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 the tradition. Very intelligent person too. Right, and that's, you know, political parties as brands. That's another thing I've kind of got intellectual problems with but you know there's just I I remember back in elect uh, the the 2000 election right the first time I started getting that uncomfortable feeling in the back of my mind that this country's fucked <laughs> was it, it wasn't that so, that somebody was on TV and they said hey I'm voting for Al Gore because it was 2000 right I'm voting for Al Gore or they said I'm voting for George W Bush Hey, look, vote for whoever you want. I don't really care so much about that. The reasons these people said that they were voting for insert candidate here blew my fucking mind. Yeah, right. And and, and they—I shit you not—one of them said, "Well, I just like this guy's tie better." During the presidential debate, so he's my guy. Uh, We we really like that was a very, very quote unquote good empty vessel race. (laughs) Both of those guys were empty vessels that people on on that liked either side could just say oh this person is this you know 
I mean, when you the, have two dumbasses, I, I was listening to Democrats talking about how you know what an intelligent and an intelligent. Okay, I can sort of see with Al Gore as far as like as a droning professor or something like that. But this is a guy with a lot of ideas and this and that, and you know. And then I would see him speak, and I'd be like, I do not see that. And George Bush, you know, George W. I. I remember thinking when I first saw my first look at George W. Bush, I'm like, how is this guy going to get anybody to vote for him? <laughs> he's, he's just not the kind of person that people vote for for president. He was just had that sort of like not too bright frat boy thing going. And I'm like, yeah, he, you know, Al Gore looks more like a president, a really boring president, but he looks more like what people vote for for president but then you know but then again he was just a, a fucking stick of wood too and people just projected and and that helps with that polarization because if you got two just sort of candidates that you really can't find anything exciting about but you gotta you got you gotta get some enthusiasm for them well <laughs> you gotta work for it you know you gotta you gotta really work intellectually or, or detach yourself from reality to all of a sudden be saying all these... And it, it, what's, uh, it, it to actually name some names here, I, I find it very... I'm not a big Hillary Clinton fan, to say the least. And I just find it very amusing that in two thought, when in 2008, in that election, the people who were fans of Hillary Clinton were saying all these, you know, she's this and that and wonderful this and that. Where are now? <laughs> right. Well. Nobody, nobody. They're not even trying to like project that onto her this time. And it, it's just, it's so weird. And and you'll hear all these people talking about the candidates on either side. And uh, same thing happened with Obama. Oh, he lights fires with his speeches and stuff. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I don't know. You're saying that. <laughs> well, the I guess that kind of comes down to you know the likability of candidates. I mean, what does it take to really be a successful candidate? If you look at previous, I, this is the one good thing that I'll say about the way that the 2016 election is shaping up so far. If you look at previous elections, I mean, it's usually been. A competition between who can find the blandest, most boring, most inoffensive-looking uh, candidate. And there's there's a ton of those out there. I mean, mostly it's the Republicans are putting people up, but like everybody on the Democrat side, except for Bernie Sanders, who's got crazy hair and you know, you know that loud grandpa thing going. Everybody's a stick of wood in the. They're all drones. They're all just drones of the same stuff over and over again. And I don't think people. Are, I mean, that's why. That's why. I mean, when people are talking, they're talking about Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Yeah, because if because you, you talk, they're to, not those guys. No, they are not, and they don't. They don't want to be. And look, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a, like a political thing because you know, uh, I think you and I both think that may not be a very wise idea what i'll say though because this way we can talk about both parties you know you can love or hate bernie sanders he's unlike most most candidates that well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you i don't i don't even know if i like or di what i feel about bernie sanders yet as far as like what i would think he would actually be as president you know there's a disconnect between what he says and what i actually think would happen if he was president 
but for years he's been one of those people that I've always I have a list of like maybe like four or five people short list of like if these people ran for president you know even though I know that they're still in that sort of split political 50-50 you know they're Democrats or Republicans if these people ran for president they would get a lot of traction because you know Bernie Sanders I always thought that because he seems to have a boring pat he doesn't seem to have any kind of scandal associated with him he might have actually been like a legit you know not done any any financial wranglings or weird conflict of interest stuff and he just he just owns what he he owns what he stands for and doesn't waver from it and will will have he doesn't try to wiggle away from things he'll just sort of say that's right what you say about me and this is why and blah 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 and people appreciate and that's why people are going for Trump i think there's a good chance we'll have a president trump well and it could be that could you see, I like I like discussing the possibility of pre- President Trump because it almost transcends politics. It's almost like this <laughs> pop culture thing of like what would actually happen with a President Trump. And I don't I think it would be the sum of it would be negative, but I don't think it would all be negative. I think there could, would be and I think the positive things would be like radically positive and they might not even be anything he meant to do. It would just be like my fa- my fantasy of a President Trump would be he would be the kind of guy who would blurt out like on the second day in office, have a press conference and go, oh, by the way, right under our feet, there's a UFO. They told me not to tell you guys. Right. <laughs> I no reason why not, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Or I didn't like the guy who told me that. So fuck him. There's UFOs right underneath here. They've been there since 54. So, you know, something like that or. You know, this guy took me aside and they said they were going to take, you know, show this movie of me with hookers if I didn't do this. But you know what? I don't care. Because, yeah, uh, hey, I paid him, so whatever. Fuck right, you, right, Chuck right. Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's between me and my wife, and she don't care. And and that would that would be wonderful. Well, <laughs> and stuff like that. Well, like stuff like that, at least right now, I mean, it's unknown and it's unknowable what you know, right. a, a hypothetical President Trump might do. But in the right. here and now, candidate Trump, whether you like the guy or not, I mean, he's kind of changed the tone of the conversation. It's not all about who can be the least offensive, who can be the most watered down, who can be the most middle of the road. You know, he's a guy that just, he sincerely doesn't care if he offends no. you. I mean, he's a creep, profoundly, you know, the whole thing like, Oh, I'd sleep with my daughter if <laughs> she wasn't my daughter. That sort of stuff. But then again, I know a lot of creepy people who might say stuff like that, and I'd be like, oh, that's creepy. But well, one time it's, it, it's all it's a human trait, even if it's a negative human trait. And whether or not you know that, I, I mean, I don't think that may be the best thing for a president. But I think he's clearing it up for on the Democratic and the Republican side, on any side for people to own what they are to not just be like try to wiggle in and and get halfway between this and that no figure out what you are stick with it and present that and hope that that's what most people want you know and that people would appreciate that but they you never know if people are i've always known people would appreciate that but you never get the chance to find out because it doesn't happen well yeah and like 
you know, I don't want to get going on like just that one example that you mentioned, but since you mentioned it, I remember that there was somebody that I knew back in high school and he's basically said something kind of similar where he said, yeah, dude, if I wasn't related to my cousin, I would so want to get in my cousin's pants in the worst way. I can't tell you how many times I've heard variations of that between all different kinds of people. Yeah, and like the thing is, you know, that's something that I think a shockingly high number of people think to themselves, if nothing else, just to themselves in private. They would never say so out loud. There's a certain probably smaller number of people who would who would say so out loud. I know very few people who would say something like that on fucking camera. All right. But here it is, a guy who I, I, I've heard people say, you know, this and that about him. And here's the thing. I mean, he's at least saying what a lot of people are thinking. And I think that resonates with people, even if they think, you know what, this guy's kind of a pill. I don't even know. If it's, even if they think it's something awful that he's thinking, you know what he's thinking. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> you know what Donald Trump is operating on. Yeah, he the has, guy's got no inner monologue. No. You know, and yeah, no, he has. A, he has. I mean, that's why when they say, "What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that?" He doesn't know because he's just going to. He said as much. He's. I and I don't think this is a good plan, but he's going to figure it out when he gets there. And what that means is, I know how. I, you know, I don't want to say that I can see Donald Trump's soul or his mind or anything, but I have a lot of insight. I think. In, in my opinion, I think I got a lot of insight into how he thinks. By when I was in high school, I worked with my dad for this guy named Roger Jacobowski, who was a Polish immigrant billionaire. Who, you know, he was very similar to Trump. He started out with some family fortune, and then he invested it, and he invested it in casinos and restaurant chains, and he became a billionaire. And he was sort of hanging out in the circle. It was when Trump was first coming up. It was when that 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 first you know big crew of billionaires were coming out and uh you know the guy the guy was a piece of work you know he was bombastic very simple you know he had rules to deal with everything but they were simple rules and they went across the board and he stuck with them and he was impulsive and and charming in a way you know at first it was just like oh what a bombastic asshole but he would work you you know he he'd work everybody until you were like yeah you know this guy's kind of growing on me and uh and i just remember my dad and i were saying you know this is probably what it's like to know donald trump you know this is probably the personality type that gets to be a billionaire that goes you know from here to here because and that confidence on a monkey genetic scale registers with people and they react to it they react with Trump and in some ways like I hate to say this but that would be kind of stuff that would work for Trump in the in the geopolitical <laughs> arena you know I mean look at Putin uh, although Russia's not in great shape Putin's uh working it as a leader because he's such a character you know Putin Putin and Trump in a room together could probably talk Turkey because <laughs> they're, the, they're probably cut from the same cloth and and I think the, the, the thing that, that makes me would ultimately give me a no vote for Donald Trump would be just that 
he has that simple palette of rules. He has his like rules of negotiation, and that's what. And you can see them in action in like the debates. Never let anybody dominate you. If they dominate you, even if you have to just bluster and blow, just don't let them get the high ground ever. Blast them, blast them back. Stick with what you say. Don't back off of it, and just go. Just keep going, and people will react to it. And that works. But well. you know, when 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 you have every negotiation and you try to use that in it, it's not always going to work. And if he doesn't have any other things to fall back on, yeah, he's in big trouble. Well, and- but just the fact that we might have a President Trump in America is quite a bizarre thing from a, a satirical movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, it is certainly that but you know I guess to kind of tie it back to something you know there was I won't say who but I saw somebody put up on Facebook words to the effect of you know I don't know if I'm going to vote in 2016 but I'll tell you this if I do it'll be for Donald Trump and rather than I guess like talk turkey about issues or something like that the first comment I saw in there was some slap dick who said uh please tell me you're kidding and I was just uh, fuck you dude I mean I mean first off this entire conversation that the, that that ended up kind of boiling over there it was so goddamn superficial that uh, this right. is not even political analysis this is just like like we were saying a while ago, it, it's it, it, dick swinging is what it is. Is yeah. all it is. And, and it's it's. I swear to God, it's like it's a step away from people uh, bashing each other's heads in over sports. You've seen that happen a thousand times in a, uh, on Facebook. Somebody will get going about you know sports. Hey man, the Cowboys are the greatest fucking team ever. And then some other guy comes along and says, No man, it's all about the 49ers. Cowboys, 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers. Great taste, less filling. You know I. And it, it, it was fucking insane. And so I guess the thing about Facebook that just really pisses me off is it's not the type of um, it's not the type of things that people say. It's the kind of discourse that they have with one another. You know, and I know that a, that a debate is fucking over once people start dragging memes in as their reply. I mean, if you if anyone who, who, who does something like that, you know, like you reply to somebody's point with a fucking meme. I just want I just want you listening to know you just fucking lost. You haven't replied. Yeah, you haven't really replied. You've you've grabbed so, it's like you've grabbed somebody it, I think they feel like they've grabbed an expert and pulled an expert in and he's just gone blah 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 and then they go there. No, you, if you want to if you want to make a point in something show me a link to a, a written and researched article with with that shows its work and then I'll go okay this makes sense and then even then if you you know that's the trap of it if you read that that article you could still find some spin in it and have to research it further to find out if they're spinning their facts that they have until you get down to just the the numbers and then and then work it that's just way too much work for most people and it's too easy when you have and 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 I know you know people can't fool me when they try to that, that's the thing when you look certain things up or if you just know something about it it's like going to your mechanic and telling them that you don't that they don't you know I need a new carburetor and they're like yeah actually your carburetor is okay no I need a new carburetor what you know 
what 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 do you know about this you know and then they say well i went to mechanic school here i'll show you on this chart look we'll take your carburetor out i'll show you it's in perfect shape this is one of the best carburetors i've ever seen nah (laughs) nah it's gotta go you know and that's that's the way it is on on you can look up all the facts you want and figure out something and present it to somebody but if they don't like it they just they won't even they won't even reply to you that that's when you know you've put in too much good information is they'll just like gloss over that and just continue on with the conversation as if it didn't happen and nothing nothing different has been presented well, it's, and, and that, that's psychology. Yeah, and I, I think that's actually that's very true. And sometimes what'll happen is you you sometimes like it, people will kind of split the difference, and the, instead of replying with a meme, they'll reply with a YouTube video. Yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. did that. Um, God, I can't. Well, I, I don't even think I'd want to link to an op-ed piece. Yeah, you know. And I don't even think I'd want to say who it was that did it, but they basically linked to this uh, lecture by. Uh, do you know who Milton Friedman is? Yeah. Well. For people listening who may not, uh, this is a. I would characterize Milton Friedman's um, economic school of thought as being very Reagan-esque, very supply-side, very mm-hmm. trickle-down, uh, or as I guess George H.W. Bush would have it, very voodoo economics. And it was, it was basically uh, uh, Friedman. He was going back and forth with somebody, and on the one hand, I think he was making a very powerful and very expressive philosophical argument but as far as the nuts and bolts of economics right you know economic argument i'm right right i just it it wasn't like did this you know i mean we have evidence of trickle down he can say okay this is here's the numbers for trickle down but it's yeah so it doesn't really give you anything to go on except just giving you someone's perspective it's basically an op-ed piece uh, yeah uh, of a kind a and like and the thing is i, I want to be careful because i don't want to alienate you know people who are listening who are you know admirers of ronald reagan i don't want to make it seem like they're not welcome or something like that i'm not sure how persuasive i truly find that economic school of thought put it that way that's not to say i'm a socialist or anything like that i'm just saying i don't know how much i really am willing to sign my name to this whole idea of supply side economics that yeah, having I, I can write it off it does it just doesn't it's had 30 years of of being in action to prove itself you know well and that's the thing the other it's side would probably sense. say not really because of this 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 and this and right and, right and that's, that's it the nuance comes into it and then the, and it becomes really difficult to figure out well right but the point is you know when it comes to things like that I don't want to say it's unprovable, but to the degree that it is provable, it requires careful and diligent study. Mm-hmm. More than anything, what I think people are trying to do in those types of uh, Facebook debates, I could be wrong, and if you disagree, feel free. I don't know if they're necessarily so much trying to change minds, or for that matter, even articulate their own point of view. I think there's a degree to which they're trying to communicate the philosophy of what they believe number one yeah so that yeah. number two they can get the point they can win and yeah and and uh, but also there's a lot of you know 
there's there's a lot of social and psychological reasons other than just proving they're they're right or something. They that there's some people who just want to show that that they're very articulate and just be and and you know they're not there really even to influence the people they're arguing with but to see if they could come up with a, a rejoinder that all their friends will like you know and that's what they you know oh you know a lot of times people are just interest really interested in how many people they can get to read like or re, repost a, a post and they get you know they follow that stuff and they go oh my god you know i've had so many replies on this post it's my most successful post of the day which is saying they're that they're posting to see how many people they can get involved that's that's my libertarian friends my libertarian friends will not come on and say i don't think that county clerk should be doing what she's doing or i support her they'll just they'll just put her name down they'll just that's her post they'll just put her name up there and then they'll let their friends on the right and the left pop up and just like fight over it and they'll let it go 10 or 15 posts and then they'll say something else just to th- like you said like you do throw in a little more red meat and just see him see him go and i don't know if that's like i don't know if i like that or i i think i lean towards kind of liking that because th- th- there's a point to where i reached where I was like, I can't consider myself a Democrat or a Republican, and being an independent is what whatever that means, or you know. And it was just like I just have to sort of follow all this as just sort of something to negotiate from from outside of it all, and that's really hard to do in America nowadays because there's just a lot of pressure from people. People want you to pick a side and dig in and if you don't pick a side then you're playing both sides or you're being non-committal but it's like i would lean towards being more proud of being non-committal because it's like why do i want to commit to something (laughs) that i you know if i if i say i'm a democrat do i have to you know sign up for everything that or you know maybe not if i say i'm a liberal does that mean I have to sign up for everything that the liberals are doing? Because I don't want to do that. There's a lot of stuff that liberals do that really pisses me off. Like fundamentally, don't do that. So what? So what do you do? You know? And I think that's sort of where you should be at when you start having adult thoughts on on politics and stuff. And if everybody could get into that, get to that point. You know, maybe the politicians would have to work harder to because at this point they're just sort of like staking staking ground and then trying to pull their ground in either direction and with this unified front of, you know, you agree with everything on our side or you agree with everything on their side and you're just screwed that way because you can't it, when it, it, ideologically okay it's kind of pure but you know when it comes down to practicality you know you want to get the trades to run on time first before we start arguing about philosophy well and i get that but there's also i guess the other side to that is i read i read somebody and i have to assume they typed this with a straight face but i read somebody <laughs> write on facebook 
it was words to the effect, I forget the exact quote, but it was words to the effect of, your views align probably like 90% of what you believe. It will align either with the Democrat Party or with the Republican Party. You know, most people, something like 80-90% of what they believe is going to align with one party or the other. So you just need to figure out which one it is, and then that's the one you need to back. And I may end up cutting this out later on, but I disagree with that in as much as that's not true for me. I find that I'm, uh, when it comes to, you know, economic matters, I find I'm a little bit left of center. And when it comes to social issues, I'm a little bit more right of center. And so where exactly do is someone like me supposed to go, you know? Right. And right. it's not necessarily so easy as to say, well, it's, uh, you know, one party or the other will will have your back. I find that's not, at least for me personally, that's just not true. And it, it just kind of aggravates me that, you know, there isn't. And, and I realize, you know, what we're talking – the minute you say mass communication, which is what Facebook is, the minute you say that, you're basically saying not mass communication, lowest common denominator communication. And let's face it, the the average man on the street it, – look, it, it's – he's treading water just by paying his bills every month. Right, right. You know, it's a little munch to ask for this guy to have the magic answer on all of the country's problems and all this stuff. He's not the guy to do that. It's his right. job to sit down, shut up, and I hate to say it, fucking just do what he's told, you know? And there are thinkers, though, in society, and I can't help but feel like things like Facebook, far from giving them their own sort of their own sort of voice and a, and a, and a soapbox to, I guess, air their perspective... It's actually shouting them down. Like, I would say that maybe some of the more thoughtful and creative types that society has got to offer, they're not, they're, they're not being empowered or enfranchised by Facebook. The, it's human nature to seek conformity no, and, and, right. and, and, and consensus. And the minute you, you kind of wander off the, the reservation a bit by saying you're economically left – socially right where the fuck does that leave you you're not you're not friends with anybody after that who's your candidate yeah <laughs> so anyway and the, and uh, what that has to do with anything i don't know but i it just felt like that that part at least needed to be said if nothing else yeah i i i just wish we could yeah take i we we either need 15 parties or or no parties you know why not just have somebody be a collection of of I mean it would be a lot more chaotic because it would be hard to sort out and who's going to get to be in the main but I don't know I think I I mean not to get really weird here but my you know I think the the, the internet is basically it's just an extension of books you know and before there were books there was somebody telling a story around a fire but it's that way to take information out of just one person's mind and have it be available for other people. And, you know, it used to be books and magazines and then radio started coming in and telephones and now now we've got the internet. So you have but now the internet is almost like having this this other mass brain of all this this information. It's gonna take us a while to sort out how to use it but you know i think in the future 
political campaigns are going to be a lot different. The way maybe even we elect people will be a lot different. I think it's kind of starting with 2016. I think they're going to mark that point. Somebody was saying on, on, a, on a liberal comment post where it was all... When I say that, it was like something that a liberal popped up that all other liberal people were going like, oh, yes, yes, this and this and this. And... Um, but they were they were it was all about Bernie Sanders, Bernie feel the burn, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this one woman said, well, Bernie Sanders can't win because he just doesn't have the money to do it. And that got me to thinking that, like, this might be one of the first elections where it isn't the person with the money who wins. Even if Trump wins, it's different. Trump has money, but it's his money. You know, it's not. A collection of yeah, of he doesn't have like donor money. money in, and if Bernie Sanders does his money, he's collecting it. I think you know one person at fifty-five dollars at a time or whatever. So you can't, you know, you know, you just can't process beholden to every single person. So it might be the first election where you don't, where that money isn't needed anymore because the internet is a if if you get people paying attention to you on the internet and it starts snowballing you don't need to pay anybody anything the internet will do it all for you movies are starting to learn this and like cutting their advertising budgets and just doing viral stuff so yeah yeah well uh, (laughs) well it's just the minute somebody says like viral ad campaign the first thing i think of is always going to be the dark knight and that had the most goddamn annoying that was viral marketing campaign. I have that ever was seen. when they were just starting to do it, and now they understand better that it's not better not to do that. But they've shifted and segued into scandal, news scandal. Miss Piggy's cheat or Kermit's cheating on Miss Piggy with a thinner, non-pig-like pig, <laughs> and or sometimes know. it's it's like actual scandal, like um. Fuck, I can't. It was one of the Twilight movies. I don't. I, I've never seen the Twilight movie, so I don't. I don't remember which one. But it was one of them, and it came out that the girl in the movie was like, apparently she was dating one of the boys in the movie, or was married to him or something. I don't know. And but come to find out, she was fucking one, her director from yet another movie, some other movie that she did, and that was like legit news on the one hand. But I couldn't help think. You know what? The con- yeah. the timing there is awfully convenient because I think the next Twilight movie's coming out like week after next, yeah. and yeah. get it does get her name and the movie in in the news, and yeah. it kind of made you wonder: is this real? Or, or, I mean, I'm sure it's real, but I mean, are they exploiting? A Doesn't real- necessarily have to be real. It could be it. You know, it could be they were broken up, and they and boyfriend's like, I don't care. Let the st- I don't care what the story is. You know, it, it, I mean, literally something like that could equal millions of dollars in your bank account. Absolutely, and that's not, and that's people don't sneeze at that. You know, <laughs> and, and and if you think about it, isn't that kind of the Andy Kaufman school of uh, marketing Andy a Kaufman movie? Has had I've been more and more lately. I have just there, – there's – and and the people who are like younger than me, like the humor of the internet these days and I mean some of it's to the point of, of course, since it's being picked up on obnoxiousness. 
But I mean, what Andy Kaufman did is now just sort of not the status quo, but there's a lot of people who who get it to the point of where it's evolving to where meta, you know, where you'll hear people saying, I don't know if this guy's for real or if he's an Andy Kaufman like, you know, whack job you know and 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 you'll see you know they'll be saying it about like a super crazy end of the world evangelical or something like that you know i i was watching this guy who is a a men's rights activist and he was interviewing a pickup artist slash men's rights activist Mm -hmm. and the guy was so where, where the hell am i going with this he was so hostile and and angry Yet um, my roommate told me, oh, yeah, he's from Vice. He started out in Vice magazine. And I was watching this guy and listening to him talk. And I'm just like thinking to myself, you know, this guy's got to have just this weird fractured audience. What? Uh, Now I'm just splintering off away from what I had (laughs) my original uh, point on. I can't remember where I was going with it. Well, but, uh, um, one thing that does need to be said, you know, this whole evolution of comedy thing, what Andy Kaufman... Oh, yes, yeah, that's it. I thought he was Andy. I was like, these guys can't be real, you know? They cannot be real. The things they're saying have to be a character. It has to be a character. And Coulter's been accused of that. And I think to some level she is, you know? I think she's perfected a character that makes her a lot of money that she can take... You know, maybe not like Andy Kaufman, where it's a pure character, where she might be even philosophically, uh, you know, completely 180 degrees from it. But she's taken her philosophy and built it up into wrestling terms and equals a lot of money. And she might be a person like me who doesn't give a fuck if everybody in the world hates her. (laughs) Well, I think she's uh, astute enough to understand that when when you come right down to it. All press is good press, but I guess right. as far as like the evolution of comedy is concerned, it needs to be said because I think this this is something that I think people either they never knew or I don't know if they completely appreciate. But what Andy Kaufman inherited was laughing. Yeah, what he and arguably SNL gave us is this sort of irreverent sort of YouTube type of humor that uh, we've we've sort of progressed into. And I think that sometimes it, it truly is a little bit mean-spirited where these yes. people, they're not even, they're not even they, trying to tell jokes. They're just being assholes. And Well, yeah, they don't quite understand it. They, they, they see it and they see the form of it, but they don't quite understand the, the reason behind it. And, like it, the fat and, it will come off, and it comes off mean or just very superficial or mocking. So they'll be uh, like the those guys. Have you ever seen the Tim and Eric awesome show? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yes, it, it's alternately awesome to me because they will take these awkward people from public domain and you know get them a paycheck doing stuff like this. But there's times, and I and I don't doubt that like they've gotten to know these guys and probably like really like them in like a Howard Stern and his whack pack type thing where I think Howard Stern really respects those people but the presentation of it sometimes is just dangerously close and it might not even be because of the 
the way the the people who made it feel, but I'm thinking the people, the masses of the people who watch the show, is more of a sneering type of like, oh God, you know, look at these these awkward dummies who made their crappy TV show on public access. Whereas Tim and Eric might be thinking, look at these totally wonderful quirky people who like had enough get up and go to actually make their crazy thing come to life and stick to it, you know, and now we'll give them, you know, a little bit of a forum so more people can see them. It was sort of the way I felt when Daniel Johnson would tour, you know, that half the audience was sort of, and definitely Wesley Willis, you know, where, and and probably part of the reason that Dave Chappelle stopped doing the Chappelle show is he thought a lot of his audience was laughing at a lot of the racial jokes not in the way that he meant them to. They weren't getting the the irony or the, the satire in them. So, you know, the Andy Kaufman-ness is, I wish everybody totally understood it and, and perfected their manner of using it, but you're always going to get people who just get the superficial aspects of it. What I wonder about is how many people are there out there who are, Andy Kaufman followers that you're never going to know. <laughs> they might not even be celebrities. They, the, I, I think the purest Andy Kaufman would never even reach the celebrity. Would Nobody would even know. He would be living probably two or three different lives, maybe in a couple different apartments, you know, <laughs> maybe an executive living in one apartment and, and you know, a busboy at a restaurant and somewhere else, you know, and just you know, whereas it would have been multiple personality disorder, it's more something that somebody's consciously doing. I'd like to think there's got to be someone out there doing that, if not Andy Kaufman. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's plenty of theories about that. But as far as like the Tim and Eric uh, Awesome Show is concerned, since we're sort of stacking and stacking and stacking on top of Andy Kaufman, it's weird that when you think about it, Tommy was so owes Andy Kaufman immeasurably because here you had Andy Kaufman, who's, I would say, redefining what comedy is for the next two, maybe three generations. And I would say that the natural heirs to that are Tim and Eric and people like him. And <laughs> I think it's pretty well documented. Tommy was so would never have even been heard of by most people had it not been for Tim and Eric mm -hmm. and that horrible, horrible, fucking terrible movie that he made that he probably intended to be like a real showcase of his directing oh, skills. It was that movie was I, I look at that when I watched that movie, I was like, this is a passion. This is his passion play. This is this is a, the story from Tony Wasu's weird ass fucked Fucking up narcissistic view of, narcissistic view of men and women and what women should be like and this is him writing somebody he was like i want to make a movie someone was like well write about something important that happened to you and make it into a movie or you know and he was like i'm gonna write about this girl who screwed me over and i'm you know and the guy who i thought was my friend and you and at the same time he has his own weird He's watched movies, mm -hmm. so he knows sort of visually what's going on, and he has ideas about plot and stuff, but they're whacked. 
but there, <laughs> yes, there, there are there's ideas of it. And so, I mean, <clears throat> as someone who's never made a full-length movie in my life, I always put Tommy Wiseau as a filmmaker, <laughs> you know, up in the stratosphere above me because he has a two. He's way up in the stratosphere above me because he has a full-length movie that a lot of people have seen and still are watching and watch mo- I, I'll watch it again. And there's a certain amount of like snicker snicker to it. But at the same time, I'm fascinated with that was somebody put that's somebody's vision and the awkwardness of it actually gives you insight into the, the director more so than a crappy horror movie would. Uh, it still could happen with a really bad, horror movie or anything but at the same time you're learning more about with so watching the room than you are about the characters in the room or anything you're you're learning about what he thinks you know a writer should do when you write a script you know oh hey you know we have to show that my character is very popular with the neighborhood so he goes into the flower and he's a nice guy so he goes into the flower shop and everybody says hey how you doing you know it's always good to see you always good to see you too hi doggy you know and (laughs) and and that's an actual beat that right but he just puts it so on the nose and it's fascinating, and I feel bad that he feels that he has to be like, oh, I meant this to be ironic and and a satirical film and stuff. I feel bad that he's taking that tack instead of just owning it and going like, what can I say? You're watching it. <laughs> I filled this theater full of people to come see the film, and you're having a riot, so, you know, I win. And... uh that's that's how I felt about Wesley Willis too, a street person who just basically would hit the automatic button on on a Casio, so it would go boom, 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 and then would let whatever schizophrenic ramblings come out, come out, as happens all across the country. Something about Wesley Willis, though, you know, got. Him so somebody even I think they did it kind of snarky and hipstery. We're like, let's make an album with this guy, and that album went around and people were laughing at it. But the fact of the matter is, when I saw him in concert, when I went over and talked to him, I like instantly. I was like, wow, I like this guy. You know, just get a good feeling, good feeling off this good person off this guy, and I think that's why. He was touring. He was the one street person who sat with a Casio, who got to go around. Is uh, even though people were sort of mocking him, that uh, uh, on some level, even in underneath the mocking, that that personality is is affecting it too. So I never write off stuff like like the room, and you know, and I and I think it was great that Tim and Eric brought it out but i mean sometimes with that show it just is uncomfortably close to me to like to to making to the point of where it interferes with my enjoyment of it but there were other parts of it that are that are great and there's other parts of it where i think they're just trying there's one thing where you're you're realistically quirky and uh like the guys that they have on the show that they've gotten from public access and then there's emulating that 
into your own sort of faux quirky and that always that always kind of bothers me i i'd rather people just be themselves instead of trying to prove how hard how hard that's just a thing though these days uh, we'll get over it that like trying hard to be awkward and uh, uncomfortable and quirky all at the same time as a, a basis of of humor sometimes it's fantastic like you know the borats type of stuff and sometimes it's horrible like other stuff that that guy's done well the uh the thing about the room that i gotta say is that you know whatever weaknesses the directing may have and i mean this from the point of view of directing actors the directing in terms of cinematography yeah he not got half a, bad he got a decent cinematographer for the movie i mean my roommate my roommate works on indie movies and you know the the filming for the room i could totally see how that was i'm sure all the actors were just sort of like well geez this guy's crazy you know mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy's out of his mind but whatever you know hey we're doing a movie and we'll learn the lines and and we'll do it it's his deal and she's worked on a couple of that where the guy the guy directing it is she worked for one guy he's not tommy was so level but he's you know he's sort of he's sort of getting there or get, or just a little past it, but still, you know, just a weird sort of sense that his movies all have a weird feel to them. But that's it's it's so rare that you find people that have individual styles that sometimes that goes a awful long long way. What's his name? Um, I've never seen a one of his movies. I've seen because I've never been. I tried to watch them and I can't make it through them. Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry. Oh yeah. Non like a, he's very so like I think he's not much of a writer. He's not much of a director. He's sort of you can sort of see now he's a lot better as far as competence goes. But like I remember watching a couple of his early movies because I like that. Like, this is a guy who didn't really know he wasn't trained in filmmaking or whatever, and he was just like, I'm going to make movies out of my own willpower. And so you have these awkward sort of things that shouldn't work, yet people are going nuts over it. And uh, I watched it, and I was just like, I, I saw that happening, but it wasn't <laughs> doing it for me. I, could, I, I was just like, I can't watch any more of this. This is just just too horrible but when i see clips and stuff from his recent stuff he's he's learned the technique and the physical stuff of of filming a movie a lot more he's gotten better at you know he's working with real actors and actresses who can make up for a lot of slack and he's probably learned how to work with them but and but you got to you got to sort of admire that because he's his own thing you know, people are going to go, that's a Tyler Perry movie right there. <laughs> well, the um, I'm a little bit of a believer in the auteur theory of filmmaking, where the writer-director will sort of craft, whether he intends to or not, he'll actually craft his world. And I think maybe one of the one of the worst examples of, or maybe one of the best, but certainly one of the most horrifying examples of how that can go just horribly, horribly wrong 
is none other than Tommy Wiseau. But if you think about it, it's not like he's alone in all of that. I mean, I would put M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong in yep. the, into that same category where yep. he had a couple of decent movies. I'm apparently the only one in the room that liked The Village. But every single movie I've ever yeah, seen, <laughs> um, every 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 single other movie of his that I've ever seen, it's uh, this the village really... was before he went into like incompetence stage to where I was seriously wondering what happened to his competence where they were comparing him to Hitchcock. Yeah, what the hell happened to that? Yeah, where's the guy that directed Signs? I want him back, you know? Or The Sixth Sense. Let's bring that guy, you know? Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs were all... I was just like, all right, this guy is going to... He's not going to be perfect, but he's going to churn out some good genre stuff that has a little extra meat on it without too much meat on it. He's got sort of his his religious angle that he likes to bring into it, which I always thought kind of added to the to the feel of his movies and then everything just went off the rails and it was like it was almost like the reverse of a Tyler Perry where he's degrading into this guy who's not really sure how movies work and I, I've heard I've heard great things at the very beginning of his new movie that it was you know a horror comedy that was sort of along the Evil Dead part two you know dead by dawn type of mold mm. and to where but where it's sort of sobered out into like the first three quarters of the movie are very ordinary and dumb and then the last act sort of from everybody the last act is off the rails fun and hilarious but it sounds like maybe he had a clunker and was like i'm gonna edit the end of this for comedy because there's no other way to do it you know yeah. So. Um, and I don't know. I mean, my impression of this guy is that he is so consumed by his own bullshit and his own oh, ego yeah. that I don't think he knows up from down anymore. And have you ever seen the meta documentary that when when the village came out, it was like the secret life of or the, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, the ding dong revealed. And it was a fake doc, you know, a documentary crew were like, we're going to interview him and stuff. And they show up at the set of the village and it's, you know, it's a normal, they're interviewing the actors and stuff, but they're trying to get a hold of Shyamalan and he's, will only talk to him at certain times. And then they go to, go to his house and there's all these weird, like gothy teenage boys hanging around and they're like, you don't know, Shyamalan's connected to the other side. And they start taking you to a secret website where all the M. Night Shyamalan followers talk and there's different levels of them and they're and the people can supernaturally tell what the filmmakers are doing in the room you know that sort of thing and and it's just so but it's all when by the time you get to the end of it it's all centered around you know how brilliant and mysterious m night Shyamalan is but it's so heavy-handed and obvious that it's just that was when I was like, oh, my God, this guy, he just got too much praise heaped on him in those first three movies. And he was too young. And now he believes it. And he's in that he's in that Kanye West. I'm a genius slash God mode. And at least Kanye West is able to maintain <laughs> the whatever level of quality it is that endears him to the people who buy his records. But I mean, like. 
I think Shyamalan Ding Dong's last movie was that after before his new one, the visit was uh, after Earth, and they didn't even advertise it as one of his movies. He was <laughs> it was just like we got you know, you didn't they, I did not I I remember watching it as a possible um, media masochist on a bootleg that I download and it wasn't bad enough for, it was, it was a, wasn't a good movie, but it wasn't bad enough to be like media masochist. But then, then when I read, you know, directed by M night Shyamalan at the end of it, I was just like, I never would have never would have known. It was just basically like you could have gotten your, your, your hack Brent Ratner, you know, it was almost like he was like, okay, I'm going to do one and just like take this script and use it as a, straight up template and just shoot the movie and not put anything into it. It was, it was very strange. It was almost like he'd gotten, gotten abused a bit and, and taken down a notch. And it was just like, okay, I just have to do, do my workman like craftsman like job. Well, and the avatar movie was, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like on the one hand, I like the, the kid that starred in that movie, not that bad, you know? Something could have been done with that movie. Something could have, I mean... Yeah, fire had, the director. Had, That's had what could have been done. It. it had a style to it, but it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't... It could have gone into something, but it was written so horribly. And the quirkiness was not enough to endear it to it because the story just didn't hold together. It was. It was such an odd odd movie in a non-endearing way <laughs> right and that was the first time i saw a movie of his where the actors had this really fucked up weird speech pattern yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. that's the last airbender is not the only offender like uh, i think another one it was episode uh one. <laughs> Reminded me of episode one with the dialogue. Maybe it was a green screen movie and everybody felt stilted or something, but it had that same sort of. Right. And weird... that was, that was going to be something else. You know, uh, this whole auteur thing, I was going to tie it back to George Lucas that part of me, I, I've really changed my, well, I say I've changed it. <laughs> my star Wars fandom has changed itself quite a lot over the years and it used to be that I was a hardcore prequel dare I say apologist you know okay and the thing that really changed that was in uh, 2012 they did this huge much hyped uh, 3D re-release of episode 1 and I mm -hmm. thought well this is going to be where the naysayers change their mind and we're going to see that this movie really is a lot more well-loved than people want to believe. And yeah. what I... It was the f weirdest, most fucked-up thing. That is not what... In fact, I went to see it. I came out with a different opinion. What I came out with was... It, no, the 3D format did not do any... There were a couple scenes in it that I was wanting to see in 3D, one of which was the pod race, which I wasn't too impressed with. And the other was just this one shot out of the presidential palace after the droids had taken over that looked like, oh, it always reminded me of a World War II shot when the Nazis had, like, taken over France and they're just sort of, like, tanks in the street. And that looked really nice in 3D. 
I walked away from that going, man, it did not serve the story well. And and a lot of the weaknesses of the movie just really seemed to stand out after that. I agree. And what I come to realize is that I had – I don't want to say I'd lied to myself because I think that a lot of the strengths and advantages that movie has, I, I do think I was right about. But the, let's just say it. Jar Jar, right? Um, I hadn't even realized how many – like how – I, when I would watch that movie, I would instinctively skip any scene that he played a major part in because he really is that fucking annoying. Now, it doesn't matter that I believe Lucas actually did that on purpose. It, that doesn't change anything. Right. It, it just means that he knew this character was annoying and he thought people would be able to see the point he was making. Well, no. <laughs> and that doesn't even – and even if there – even if there was a uh, – a point that was being served there, it still doesn't matter because you know what? The character's fucking annoying. Right. And so, anyway, so that was sort of... He the, needed Spielberg to develop that character to take, to give it the real appeal to... Although Jar Jar did have appeal to kids. Now when I look back, though, at the prequels, I so much, you know, enough time has passed since they came out, especially episode one, that, you know, I watch episode one and I'm like... This movie's almost twenty years old, you know. Um, yeah, um, We're it's there. it's it's reached when when I watch the pod race, the beats of it and the sound effects and the music, and the story are ingrained in my head like any other Star Wars movie. And then there's just the the pangs where where a sharp stick gets poked in your eye, which is Jar Jar. And a few other scenes where the acting's really awkward and, and it takes you out of it. But I've seen it so many times, it's become part of my Star Wars consciousness that I enjoy watching any of the prequels. I think with the 3D, is huge. I don't know what he was thinking with not releasing Star Wars first. It's just well, and- what he should have done. That's what people really wanted to see and and if if you were gonna do it episode one first then you better put them out three months apart you know or something like that instead of like a year apart like he was saying so it's like i don't want to wait four years to see star wars in 3d i'm really curious actually to see empire in 3d but you can't start with empire no you so so but still just out of curiosity and having star wars be so ingrained in my mind frame by frame that seeing it in 3d would be at least interesting you know the most interesting of all to me and i would you know i I would have been in the theater with more with bells on when in this and 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 also star wars was not filmed digitally like episode one it's not gonna episode one just had the feel of any typically retro 3D digital movie. It, it just did. It didn't really do. After the f- initial first couple minutes of like, well, that's kind of cool. You, it was gone, you know, and you're just watching episode one again. Yeah, and that sort of led. A, I don't know. It basically, it kicked off a sort of dark night of the soul for <laughs> me as a Star Wars fan. And what I came away thinking, look, I was already on board with the original Unaltered Trilogy. They did a re-release of that back in 2006. 
and I realized, you know what? These are actually the superior versions of those movies. They're actually better than the special editions. Sure. And, you know, it, it's. I think the only way you can truly make that argument is whenever you... You actually do take the time to sit down and pay close attention to the unaltered trilogy. If if you basically just try to envision the special edition just less special, it doesn't work. You actually need to watch the original versions of the movies. And yeah, there are moments when things are kind of held together with chewing gum and popsicle sticks. But when you move away from that, I mean, the insanity of making those movies when they were made, I, that alone is enough to win me over. But what well, the the Phantom Menace re-release what that succeeded in doing was getting me to take a I guess a fresh look at the prequels and realize you know what I think the naysayers were right after all because of this 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 and this and these things that were going on and you know you can cut together one hell of a of a trailer out of those movies but making the movies themselves I'm actually starting to think that you know what the prequels are actually better off left to your imagination. The prequels, you can make the argument that you didn't even have to have episode one. You could have stretched episode two and three into a, a longer trilogy. And maybe been and better had, for it. Yeah, yeah. You didn't really get much of anything except intro, uh, introduction of characters in episode one that all could have been up introduced within 15 minutes as young you know basically the mistake was starting out with Anakin as a little kid and when it comes down to it it and a lot of my favorite artists are like this they're that they're not as I although my favorite artists some of my favorite artists have a lot of instinct to him I don't think George Lucas is much instinct he's intellectual so oh, when really it comes so, up, yeah. And 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 with Star Wars with Star Wars he had his future wife in the editing room and and you know Harrison Ford and Alec Guinness as far as dialogue goes to sort of human it up and you know I mean the 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 story is that goes around is that you know the first cut of Star Wars was a disaster and it wasn't until they started really radically altering the edit for it that it started to take life and putting the John Williams score to it that all of a sudden it started to work, you know, editing it to the, to that and put it, which was not George Lucas <laughs> doing that, you know, and uh, you can see in the in the prequels since it wasn't as and you know empire and jedi boom different director he did them more as a as and star wars too was more of a collaborative effort because it just had to be to get it done but you know when you had that when you had him as the the sole head you know auteur of the the prequels then you get a lot of things that are ideas you know and they may not artistically be be pulled off that well but you know the, I did a lot of in the prequels when my friends and I first would see it all my geek friends and I would be discussing it we did a lot of I could see what he was doing there you know I could see what he wanted to do there I could see what he's doing with this and I could see why he's putting this in 
because he wants to do this later. But it's still, you know, all that's well and good. Doesn't always make for a better movie, though. You know, it doesn't always do something for the flow of your movie. Episode one is has one of the weirdest flows of any movie I've ever seen in my life. The way it, it's structured, and and he was also like, hmm, I'm interested in this idea with the structure and the script, so I'm gonna try to do this. So it's almost like you're seeing you're seeing some stuff that's visionary as far as visuals go. But everything else is sort of intellectual, so it, it lacks a little bit of life, and that's why I have higher hopes for uh, the new ones coming out. Well, cross yeah. it at least as far as it being a functional action adventure, you know, adventure fantasy movie, Star Wars feeling. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have more of that, and 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 visually, whereas. You know, you know, it's not all shot on, on digital and stuff like that. I think we have a better chance of seeing something that has a little more visceral feel to it. it if the story holds up, it could, it could be great. If not, it could be, it could be like a, the the, it could be like the prequels, but with just a slightly better visual tone to them. You know, which is. Which is acceptable, but I won't be the happiest Star Wars fan <laughs> in the world if if it's if it's that. I I would be very happy if if I got a story and characters that that set my ass on fire. That would be my ultimate. But uh, it's getting close. Well, I got it. Yeah, it is. And I, I think it's a torturous. I'm I'm beginning to feel like what I think Scott Gardner feels like with a lot more movies than I do about the this, this Star Wars movie that like excitement and dread <laughs> at the same time and the dread being in a in a part of me that's like deeper than it should be <laughs> well you know it's funny I, I I was talking to Scott about this um, in our shoot the shit episode and I floated the theory and you know what I freely admit this could very well end up not happening I may be wrong but I can't shake the feeling or the fear that just from a marketing point of view right right somebody's gonna come to the decision you know what these move we, we paid like four billion dollars to buy this franchise we need to get our money's worth out of this we need to bring back Darth Vader y- you know it's so funny you say that. I have a, I have a, I have a even deeper conspiracy theory. Uh, lay it on me. And then anybody who doesn't want to discuss any, st- now I don't know any story spoilers for, for episode seven, but I pay more attention than I probably should to, you know, the details and people discussing them and story elements that J.J. Abrams has dropped. And you've got the. You've got the one bad guy with the new lightsaber. He's basically sounds like a, a Sith nerd. He sounds like he's into collecting Sith paraphernalia and Darth Vader stuff. Eventually, uh, you know, he's he's of acolyte of Darth Vader, and they got the shot of Darth Vader's helmet probably in his collection. And um, there's been people floating out the idea maybe they're gonna clone. Darth Vader. 
Okay, well, uh, and that would fit in with my theory. I, 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 to me, it's the same thing. Bringing them back versus cloning well, them, same difference. Well, I was... And here's where my conspiracy theory all came together for me is I was in... I was in um, a craft store uh, um, just walking around and every store I be- I was going into stores that my roommate was shopping for like uh, Old Navy where I'm not I don't buy new clothes at like Old Navy but I know that I can go to certain part of the stores and see where the Star Wars and superhero clothing's looking like you know and uh, every every store I go and I get to find see some new Star Wars paraphernalia and we were in a, a craft store and then I found all these episode 7 coloring books <clears throat> which have nothing story-wise in them, but have all, like, they have this one character that looks like it's a cobbled-together C-3PO and battle droid that I'm like, I've never seen a picture of that, and I'm like, ooh, I'm getting some info. But they had a, you know, a Star Wars paint set, you know, with paints and crayons inside of it in a box. And the picture on the box was a Empire Strikes Back. It's a painted picture of the scene in the Empire Strikes Back where Vader and Luke are fighting, you know, in Cloud City in front of the big round TIE fighter-like window. Mm-hmm. Mm. Except in the picture, you know, they're not they're, they're they're not in a pose to be fighting with each other. They look like they look like they were either just fighting each other and you walked into the room and was like, "Hey guys, the pizza's here." And then they both turn and look at you like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" You know, it looks like, it actually looks like they're both facing forward with their lightsabers out to confront a, uh, a common foe. And then I was thinking, if they clone Darth Vader, mm-hmm. who are they cloning? Darth Vader or Anakin? You could end up with a Darth Vader. And the thing about it is, why are you gonna if you if you clone him? How are you gonna you know he's not gonna have to be in his respirator suit. He could be just be a full grown Anakin or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's you not could, as iconic, is it? No, it's not. That's not the money maker Darth Vader that 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 you in conspiracy theory Disneyland that you would want. You'd want him in his suit, you know. But I mean, imagine how profitable. A Darth, a good guy, Darth Vader is, <laughs> as far as a character in a in a Star Wars movie. I mean, if you brought him back as a bad guy, it would just be that would be lame, as if you ask me. In my opinion, you would have to bring him back with a twist to to where he's good and and a good guy, Darth Vader. Oh my God, you know, that would be so so appealing to little kids. You know, he went bad, good, bad, and now he's back. And now you can have your Darth Vader cake and eat it too, where you can idolize him and not have you're not idolizing a mass murderer, child murderer, and torturer type person. So it could happen. It could happen. I really hope it. I I really hope they don't go that way. I really hope they don't go pandering to nostalgia and trying to bring back as much of the old stuff that has the most dollar signs sticking to it. I just, I hope they don't. I I really hope that they're, and you know, I'm interested in these new characters, so if these new characters are good, then, you know, that's, 
I'm, I'm hoping that they're, that they're thinking if we get enough creative people, we can create new characters to market and stuff that would be just as popular as Darth Vader, which ain't gonna happen. But you can get, you can get close. Maybe so. Um, I, I guess what, uh, another question I've got, you know, since we're on the subject, the obviously Disney owns. Lucasfilm now, unless they own Star Wars. And if Disney is nothing else, they are extremely shrewd. They know they know their fan base. Mm-hmm. They have to. Or else why, why would they have bought and paid so much money for all this stuff in the first place? So, that's my way of framing my question. What do you think the odds are that we know that they've rebooted the EU and I'm neither for that nor against that. I just, I accept it. I, truth be told, I don't give a shit. What do you think the odds are though, that they're going to reboot the prequels someday? They're just going to come back and maybe do prequels of their own and just pretend that episodes I don't one, two, th- three don't exist. I don't think that'll happen. I think it'll, I think the prequels will eventually not have the scandal attached to them that they have attached to them now that they'll just be accepted as iconic the cheesiness of it will be written off as the cheesiness inherent in, inherent in that time period of filmmaking that, that makes it a you know late 90s early turn of the century movie early art movie or whatever the hell you would call them but um I, I think they will the, the, the thing about them is the thing about Star Wars movies is you have people watching them from it's it's the I, I call it the um, um, now <laughs> I can't even remember my own term the um, um, Wizard of Oz effect whereas when the Wizard of Oz came out it was not a critically acclaimed acknowledged classic it was kind of looked at as a big bulky awkward not too good expensive flop and by sheer force of little kids love it, it's become a treasured classic, you know, beyond, not, you know, not beyond reproach. There aren't troll wars over the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, there could be. But um, just because it's established itself as that in in the culture and star wars is at the in the tri- the prequels are at there's uh, i mean there's there's kids who since you know they were a little kid you know when they were eight years old when episode one came out it blew their mind you know they went to see it and they loved it maybe not to the extent that star wars blew everybody's mind when it originally came out but that was a seal that got broken in the 70s so it, it, you know, it ain't gonna, it gets broken by something else some other time. It's not going to be Star Wars again un, unless some miracle happens. You know, that's just lightning strikes. But, um, you know, those kids that, that started out watching Episode 1, 8 years old, they weren't worried about Jar Jar being cheesy. They didn't notice Jake Lloyd's wooden acting. They, they, were, they were down with it, although I'm sure there were boring parts for them. But still, you know, and then it's on TV all the time. They've seen it a bunch, bunch of times. It, it will just, it will become the lore. There may be some point in the future 
where, you know, reboots could happen. <laughs> I don't know, though. D Disney's... Disney's got a lot of, you know, maybe it's because I'm old enough to remember the time period where Disney did not have their shit together at all. And it sort of lost track of how, you know, that that Norman Rockwell aspect of it cuts both ways. But it, at the same time, it also makes them say, we want to be a little cut above everything else as far as storyline goes. Maybe not to the point of being super high class, you know, like Stanley Kubrick, Scorsese, auteurness of movies, but we want to make them always this level of quality. Okay. So it might, yeah, I think Star Wars is in probably the best hands that you could potentially put it into. Myself, I wish the copyright had expired, and that you had the had a wild, wild west of. 900,000 terrible fan films getting made but then every once in a while you could get you could get somebody like a you know Del Toro who who could sell a Star Wars movie to the studios and you would get something really good you know without the the limitations of you know just somebody who's a authentic Star Wars fan if it, if it goes into the public domain, you would, there would be no EU. There would be no canon. It would be you got to pick and choose your own canon of what you thought were the good Star Wars movies. That's where I would wish it would be in my ideal universe, to where I could just get together with a bunch of my friends and, and write a Star Wars comic or Star Wars movie and put out, put them out and let it... You know, let let the people judge what what is real Star Wars and not to them. Because mm. when when you try to put out a unified front and you try to please everybody, that's a lot of times when bands you hear people start grumbling about. Well, I like my band when they were playing in clubs better. You know, now they have to please fifty thousand people, so they have to be a little more. And I think Star Wars is going to get a little level of that, but if. Star Wars Rebel is, is anything to judge by. It's got a little bit of Disney Disney to it and like the voice acting and stuff. But it's good. <laughs> there's there's moments in it that are really, really good. And I think that's because Disney realizes that it has to be that way. It can't just be too generic. Alright, well fair enough. I'd, I I at least wanted to ask you about it and um I mean, honestly, I think it's actually going to fit in, uh, you know, your comments and our basically our our general discussion here. I think it's actually going to fit in pretty well with uh, last week's episode with uh, Gardner. So, because he and I actually had, he made different points, but we had a kind of similar discussion about Star Wars. Not so much the other things you and I have discussed, but mm -hmm. that. So, uh, well, about two and a half hours. Not not bad at all. Not uh, bad. Uh, so why don't you uh, tell everybody where it is they can find you? Well, I am at twotruefreaks.com, and when I say I, I mean me and like 35 other people. We got a whole network of podcasts. Um, I usually do the monthly Mondays. It's been a while, but, you know, I've regularly you can see me lately on Garage Sale Gloat and the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror and here with Trentus. That's at twotruefreaks.com. 
And most importantly, that's where our Amazon link lives. So if you buy stuff from Amazon, go use that link because that's what that's what's paying basically our infrastructure for Two True Freaks that we're hanging all these important podcasts on socially and and politically relevant and important podcasts that you need to listen to <laughs> in order to stay relevant. Yes, indeed. And you recently added J. David Weeder's uh, yes. Dave's Daredevil podcast into the mix, so that's awesome. It's awesome to add that podcast because I love the idea. I, I'm a big Daredevil fan, so I'm all for that. But it's also great to add J. David Weeder because he's a really he's a great guy. I actually got to meet him just before he joined up at um, at Eternal Con, and I. I think I spent a little more time with J. David Weeder than anybody else because we were both the, we were the cigarette smokers of the group. So we got to spend we got to spend a little more alone time than anybody else because we'd be outside the hotel having a cigarette, and sometimes I would be having alternate cigarettes, and he got to watch <laughs> <laughs> all all the all that and all that attracted. <laughs> But I, I really enjoy I really enjoyed meeting him and and we had a lot of really good conversations. So it's really good to have him in in the two true freaks fold. Agreed. In our fold, spindle and mutilate. Couldn't agree more. So uh, now, first up, thank you so much for uh, joining in this week. We talked a lot about a lot more than just Halloween, but you know what? Nothing wrong with that. I think what our li- like if we have any super list super fan listeners out there who want to uh, contribute to the shows I think these shows like ostensibly a Halloween show that just basically fragments off I think it would be fun to uh, although I'm too lazy to do it myself to see a flow chart crafted <laughs> of one of these it would be great to have a flow chart for one of these shows is like the picture that goes along with it so people can follow along with the topics you know so you can get get to how we got from trump to to episode one 3d <laughs> <laughs> all right all right well roadmap does one take to get there yeah you can never plan it that way but damned if it if that's not how it turned out so now uh for those of you uh who don't know it's already been decided between uh me and honeywell that uh when we finally uh reconvene uh, for the next big book report, we're going to be talking about the big book of thugs. So, Thug life, baby. Yeah, the way I look at it is, Honeywell didn't choose the thug life. The thug life chose Honeywell. You're right. You're born into it. Yeah, pretty much. And so, uh, you know, you, I, I figured if nothing else, this would be a uh, good opportunity for you to tell us about your experiences on the streets and you know just mm-hmm. uh, living that hardcore thug lifestyle it's it, yeah yeah I, I will I'll be bringing a big dose of reality to that show <laughs> but uh, keeping it there that's gonna be in uh, I guess two months time so eight weeks so uh, just to keep an ear out for that that's gonna the way that it is right now that's scheduled for December the 8th of uh, 2015 so keep an eye out for that But I think that's pretty much it for this week. So bye, everybody. I will see you next week.
Krom. I have never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good men or bad. Why we bought, why we sold on eBay. All that matters is that 50 cent Captain Kirk Migo action figure. That's what's important. Cheapness pleases you, Grom. So grab me one request. Grab me the fruit of suburbia's garage sales. Let me drive those dealers away from that box of records and hear the lamentations of the children as I buy their Star Wars toys for a quarter. And if you do not listen, then to hell with you! Hello, I'm Chris Honeywell, and I make my living going to garage sales and then selling the junk I find on eBay. That's right, just like those assholes on TV. You can hear a podcast all about it where I tell you about all the good junk I got, how I sold it, give you tips, gripe, bitch, and moan, and even have friends come along with me. So check it out. It's called Garage Sale Gloat, and it can only be found at 2TrueFreaks.com, which is, of course, the home of the 2 True Freaks Network. Duh. When you think of podcasts about religion, you probably think of this. But at least one religion podcast sounds more like this. I kick ass for the Lord! Dorkness to Light is a relatively geeky production in which Alan and Emily discuss topics of faith, religion, and spirituality. But we do so through the lens of pop culture, like movies, TV, and comic books. Because we're nerds. Our primary focus will be on Christianity, because that's what we know best. But all religious content is on the table. Well, think about it, Scully, from vampirism to Catholicism. This is an occasional cast, to be recorded and released as the mood strikes, with topics ranging from in-depth reviews to personal rants about some small aspect of theology or church history, because we're theological nerds. If these topics interest you, check out Dorkness to Light, .blogspot.com for our more regular content. Or darknesstolight.tumblr.com for our more irregular content. Memes and puns, mostly. My bad. Darkness to Light. Often irreverent, rarely sacrilegious. In 1977, the world changed. The film industry was transformed. The popular culture rocked. And young minds forever altered. Star Wars arrived. And nothing would ever be the same again. Though everyone wasn't affected in the same way, everyone was affected. This is my Star Wars story. My Star Wars Story, monthly at MyStarWarsStory.com Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. 
Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com, which is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can also find it on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at Trentus Magnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Did you know? You can sponsor any episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing, and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener, it's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at TwoTrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a cut of what you buy. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it really helps the freaks out. You get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law some assembly required batteries not included. Do not remove this tag under penalty of law. All models are over the age of 18. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonzacore of Milan, Italy. 